Oh, nobody told Joe about that lobotomy Greg's getting, huh? I guess not. No. Nice going lightning, baby. See, we can still play that dropping as long as you got a lot of noise in the back. All right, I like that noise, that horn. Oh, you want to hear more? Yeah. I think that's the end of the horn. Anyway, how about those lightning? How huh? even George is whipped up about that? It's a Florida thing. <laughs> well, it's really not. It's really not because there's no connection between South Florida and uh, Tampa. But uh, you know, we'll, we'll latch on. We'll latch on for a few hours. I was rooting for him. Pretty heavy duty. That was a, it wasn't a really good game because there were almost no shots, but it was just so desperate and they were just clutching and grabbing and tackling and holding and just, it was, uh, and then Le Cavalier, Vinny Le Cavalier, what a play he made, huh? And Ruslan Fedotanko gets both goals and Brad Richards is the MVP, the Consmite Trophy. Nice going, boys, eh? And of course the Panther organization had brought in Rick Dudley, who was supposed to be the architect of the Tampa Bay franchise that went from obscurity to winning the Stanley Cup. And the Rick Dudley, of course, won't see him no more at any rate. Speaking of cicadas, I don't think Florida's got cicadas, do we? I haven't seen any. But we have love bugs. You love them. No, you know what I'm talking about. 
We have no seums. We have love bugs in May and October. Haven't you ever driven up like to Disney or somewhere? Herbie the love bug? In May or October. You don't know what love bugs are? I don't know. Oh, my God. You've got to be kidding me. Oh, my God. Holy moly. This man has lived in Florida for the last 75 years. He doesn't know what love bugs are. I'm sure I've scraped a million of them off my windshield, but I don't ask their names when they... Oh, I see. So you do know what they are. Sure. Yeah, that's one of the horrors of driving in this in May and October. And and our love bugs anywhere else? I, I think Florida's a Florida thing, kind of like bufo toads. Well, we do have that swamp. Thanks again to the University of Miami for bringing those uh, bufo toads in from uh, South America. And some of them got off, uh, hopped out of the cartons and uh, when they brought the plane in. That's a true story. And they got out into the glades and they started reproducing like crazy. That's why your dogs are dying because of the University of Miami. Speaking of dying, here's the bad news from uh, over there. A U.S. soldier serving in Baghdad died after collapsing while on guard duty, the American military said yesterday. The soldier in the 1st Cavalry Division lost consciousness, stopped breathing around 11 a.m. on Sunday. Soldier's death under investigation. Daytime temperatures already over 100 degrees in Iraq every day. Two car bombs shook the northern Iraqi cities of Bakuba and Mosul today, killing at least 14 Iraqis and one U.S. soldier. At least 126 people wounded, including 10 U.S. soldiers. The three Italian hostages, they've been released. Aren't you excited about that? Uh, yeah, that's good news. Benissimo, the three hostages have been released, the Italians, the uh, greaseballs. On our uh, beaded curtain, well, let's give the poll result from yesterday first. Boy, did we have a response on this or what? I have got, I'm going to tell you something. Tell but me you something. you don't even know about this one story. This uh, British rock star, Morrissey. Right. You know who he is? Sure. He uh, former lead singer of, uh, what was the it? The Smiths. Right. Right. And you haven't even heard about this story, but he's celibate. You were out uh, mopping the floor or something while I found this. We'll get to it. Got some heavy, heavy heavy-duty stuff. Since 1960, who do you think was our worst president? Now, we did the best president between 10 and noon yesterday for a couple of hours, and Bubba won hands down. Bill Clinton had over 62% of the vote. W didn't uh, barely barely registered on a Richter scale on that poll. But contraire, 1,791 votes on this poll, which is just shattering. It's just mind-boggling. Our worst president since Eisenhower, Bush two, George W. Bush, 1,243 votes, 69.4%. 69.4%. I think he's a disaster, including Morrissey, by the way. Wait till you hear his comments, what he did. All right. Bush two, 1,245. Carter, 191. Poor Jimmy Carter, little peanut farmer from Plains, Georgia. I think he was from Aintree myself. Ever see him and the Beasleys together? Or the Banjo Boy. Clinton, that's the Beasley. Clinton, 113. That's the Clinton bashers, the Bubba bashers. They're uh, they're out there. Nixon 69, Reagan 57, which again, uh, actually, that's surprising it was that high considering all the nonstop coverage that's just going on. Be able to get in. Oh brother, there. And I hate to break the news to you, but there's nobody in that casket. Okay. Oh no. Nobody in there. Come it's on. just it's a dummy. Oh, that's and, and not I, nice. I also got to tell you this. I don't see. I mean, there are people still marching by, but like, uh, you know what I mean. And why? And why are these punks, why are these kids walking by there? What the hell do they know about Ronnie Reagan? They heard stories. They don't even have their Rolex watch and all the other... See, that was the age of materialism under Reagan when the mm-hmm. poor were a bunch of bastards who were ripping off society. And all the, you know, smaller government to him meant like uh, not taking care of anybody. Like uh, the Bushmeister says, the haves and the have-a-lots. At any rate, Nixon 69, Reagan 57 is our worst. LBJ 39, Ford 31, Jerry Ford, Bush 1... Had about 30, man. And JFK only 19. And of course, we know that none of those pe- people speak English. Now, let me just say this about that. 
as JFK would say. Okay. Um, I've discovered here in the midst of an article that really I didn't think I would find anything about. Uh, I, I got it here for another reason. It's on our website, and I'll get to it, where it says cracks showing in GOP's Cuban-American base. This is pretty interesting. Maybe Muff and Clarence ought to be paying attention to this, but I doubt it. They're probably playing a grab ass in the hall. Sports! But um, the reason that the Spanish language stations are going up, it's not because of a Bill Tanner conspiracy. It's not because Arbitron can't find anybody who speaks English, but... I want you to listen to this one very short sentence. Okay. These two short sentences. Florida's population is... Will you shut up and listen? Florida's population has grown by more than a million since the last presidential election, a 6.5% increase from 2000 to July 2003 that could transform the state's electorate. From April 2000 to July 2002, nearly half those new residents were Hispanic, according to the most recent numbers from the Census Bureau. Did you know that? No. See, very quietly... Where are these people coming from? Not from Cuba. No, the South Americans. Uh, yep. Latin Americans. Yeah, they're coming from Central America, South America. Sure. Nicaragua. I've been. Hey, by the way, around. nice job in Nicaragua, Ronnie. But anyway, I just thought I'd mention that. So now we understand that the reason that the Spanish language stations are having this tremendous resurgence and just soaring is because, uh, and of course, the most recent uh, emigres, the most recent Hispanics to come in, they certainly can't expect them to be, uh, you know, listening to English language stations, right? Right. So we understand that, as opposed to the old banana boat people from 44 years ago who have no excuse anymore, but just are really unacceptable. On our, uh, speaking of very acceptable, Charlize Theron, she's been on there before, but that picture today, I'm, that is flawless. <sighs> that sublime. picture is flawless. If I were inclined, I'd be sitting here with my nose right on it. Well, and she's the, uh, reclined, too. and I'm inclined. I see. <laughs> any, any male listening to me right now or anywhere in the world who takes a look at that picture behind our beaded curtain today on neilrogers.com and doesn't want to be laying right there on that bed, right next to Charlize when uh, he or it or wakes up in the morning. Uh, I, I find it astonishing, shocking. In fact, all I can yeah. say is... You're gay. Yeah. I just want a nuzzle. There you go. Charlize Theron. Now, I don't know, and nobody needs an introduction, but I did it anyway because I'm just in the habit of doing this. And there might be some people out there who don't know who she is, but I find that very, very difficult to believe. Born August 7, 1975, which makes her 29 this August, almost 29. Still 28. She's an African-American. She was born in Benoni, South Africa. Grew up on a farm outside the Benoni as uh, a child, as a child. Let's see, movies coming up next year. She's already got two, Class Action and Aeon Flu. See, we talked about that. Can't wait. Heads in the Clouds. Head in the Clouds. Oh, I, oh, back in the day I might have said something about that. That's in post-production, so that's coming out any moment. Head in the Clouds. Yeah. I want you to say like, the name of that movie right, though. What? Aeon Flux. Okay. I'm just making fun of... Uh, oh, no, I thought it, you were afraid to say it. Flux? Okay. I think you're going to be in a state of flux if you say it one more time. I didn't Life say and one. Death of Peter Sellers, made-for-TV movie with Britt Eklund. Oh, no, she played Britt Eklund. I see. Good choice, I guess. Monster? Well, we know about that. Didn't mm -hmm. she win the uh, Oscar she for that? She won something. Uh, she won some award. Uh, the Italian Job. Waking Up in Reno... Well, I bet you Janet was pleased to hear that. <laughs> Trapped. The Curse of the Jade Scorpion. Oh, she's been in a million things. She's got a long, long list. For a young person, man, she's been around. She's got a The Legend of Bagger Vance. Now, Ooh. what was that? I, I feel I saw that. No, you, you luckily avoided it. You would have remembered it because it's a Will Smith movie. Oh, like I said, I'm glad I missed that. Yeah. Boy, do I, about I golf. despise Will Smith. It's a he, Will Smith I, movie I hate about. the ground that he walks yeah. on. <laughs> about golf. I don't though. know why. I just can't stand him. He's such an arrogant bastard. See, I would have said the P yeah, word, I but I can't say that. 
Children of the Corn 3. She was in 1995. Well, a whole bunch of stuff. Well, here you go. She was the Best Actress, uh, 76th Annual Academy Awards, Golden Globe. She's been all over the place, Charlize Theron, and there's a magnificent picture behind a beaded curtain. Wait till we get to the good stuff after the break. Here's today's poll. Because yesterday the worst president got such a tremendous response. How about the most over, not the worst, but who's the most overrated movie actor or actress of all time? And we start with a very short list. And we're not putting Ronnie Reagan on there because that would be almost in as bad taste as the 85 articles I have today, ripping him in ass and exposing the real Reagan. See, this, this idea that we all have to be, oh, we have to be so respectful. Why do we have to respect somebody that a lot of us didn't respect, that we hated like poison? And the answer is I won't and I don't. They have and days. screw them, okay? I hope the worms are already inside that box. Who is the most overrated movie actor and actress of all time? John Wayne, Marilyn Monroe, James Dean, or Robert De Niro? That's our short list, and you can add to it as we go along. Now, we got something big coming up today. Join QAM in the Real Yellow Pages from Bell South this afternoon, noon to 1, at A. Aventura Chiropractic Care Center. Is Josh going to be in on that? No, I'm not uh, taking the bait this time. Located at 20475 Biscayne Boulevard. Stop by to pick up ticket. Might get a free uh, adjustment over there. Might crack your back, Jack. Uh, noon to one at A. Aventura Chiropractic Care Center, 20475 Biscayne Boulevard. Stop by to pick up tickets to an upcoming Marlins home game. That's noon to one today. It should be a hoot. My, my, and local. This is Sports Radio 560. QAQAM. Holy Mackinac! This is Joe Bowen, the voice of the Toronto Maple Leafs, and you're listening to the Hockey Authority, Neil God. Ooh, you might have heard they made a switch. A rack has a new president, but some ain't accepting this. I hear there's word out on the street. Got a big surprise waiting for this new government chief. Working on a car bomb. Working on a car bomb, yeah. Step inside and say Working bye bye. On a car bomb. Maybe in that limousine was a car bomb, yeah. Woo! These loyalists will hit you hard. I like no place to be if you're some political star. Getting in your car ain't always cool. So have the chauffeur get in first. Don't you be a fool. Working on a car bomb. They're working on a car bomb, yeah. Turn that key on history. Working on a car bomb. New presidents better watch out for all those car bombs, yeah. Oh, my God. 1019 at 560 WQAM. Take a look at the schedule today. It looks like a pristine, like a real day for the first time in a long time. Everybody's working today. We had Mo and the Geldy this morning, the uh, big dog, the little dog, whatever, uh, the uh, blockhead dog. Joe was on at 8, and then we got uh, our here. Mad Dog at 2, the Humper at 4 till 6.30 from the Seminole Hard Rock Casino, where they're packing them in. 6.30, it's Marlon on deck. Marlon's on deck. Marlon's at the Indian 705-80K after the game. So we got everybody except the big oh! who knows nothing about horse racing and is proud to tell you that. He knows, So I don't understand why he's talking about it. Don't talk about anything you don't know about, okay, big oh! you clown, you silly person, you. Guess what we do have on our website today? What do we have on our know? website today? We got the link to the uh, Michael Moore uh, trailer for Fahrenheit 9-11. So when you go to neilrogers.com, when you're through perusing Charlize Theron, which might take a while, but when you're through with that, 
Uh, take a look at the uh, top of our web page there. Take a look at the home page, and you'll see a link to Michael Moore's Fahrenheit 9-11 trailer. I mean, I can play the audio, but it doesn't have the same effect as seeing it, especially the very right. ass end when he's playing golf. You know? <laughs> oh. oh, watch this drive. Uh-huh. Abu Ghraib. Yeah. So anyway, Manchester music legend Morrissey sparked controversy when he announced Ronald Reagan's death live on stage during a concert and then declared he wished it was George Bush who had died instead. <gasps> Thousands of fans at Dublin Castle in Ireland cheered when the ex-Smiths frontman made the announcement that the former American president, who had battled with Alzheimer's disease, had passed away. And an even bigger cheer followed when Morrissey, who was no stranger to controversy, then said he wished it had been the current president, George W. Bush, who had died instead. Fan Tony Murray said he commented about the death of Ronald Reagan, and when he said he wished that it was George W. instead, the crowd went, went wild. <laughs> oh. Abu Ghraib. Yeah, they're not uh, too well liked that around Morrissey. the world, to say the very least, okay? They've been onto them for a long time. Now, this article here, I'm going to tell you right now, Capitol Hill Blue, which I investigated this website. Eric found the article. I have no idea how, but thank you, Eric. Uh, this is not a left-wing website or a right-wing or any-wing. They just uh, rip the hell out of Congress and the right and the left and everybody else. When there's something to report, they got it. This article is somewhat disturbing, wouldn't you say, since I read it uh, before? Yeah. Out loud. Bush's erratic behavior worries White House aides. President George W. Bush's increasingly erratic behavior and wide mood swings has the halls of the West Wing buzzing lately as aides privately express growing concern over their leader's state of mind. Abu Ghraib. In meetings with top aides and administration officials, the president quotes from, or goes from quoting the Bible in one breath to obscene tantrums against the media, Democrats, and others he classifies as enemies of the state. Worried White House aides paint a portrait of a man on the edge, increasingly wary of those who disagree with him, and, a, and paranoid of a public that no longer trusts his policies in Iraq or at home. It reminds me of the Nixon days, says a long-time GOP political consultant with contacts in the White House. Everybody is an enemy. Everybody's out to get him. That's the mood over there. In interviews with a number of White House staffers who were willing to talk off the record, a picture of an administration under siege has emerged, led by a man who declares his decision to be God's will, and then tells aides to F over anyone they consider to be an opponent of the administration. We're at war, there's no doubt about it. What I don't know anymore is just who the enemy might be, says one troubled White House aide. We seem to spend more time trying to destroy John Kerry than Al-Qaeda, and our enemies list just keeps growing and growing. Aides say the president gets hung up on minor details, micromanaging to the extreme while ignoring the bigger picture. He'll spend hours personally reviewing and approving every attack and against his Democratic uh, ad against his Democratic opponent and then kiss off a meeting on economic issues. This is what's killing us on Iraq, one aide says. We lost focus. The president got hung up on the weapons of mass destruction and an unproven link to al-Qaeda. We could have found other justifiable reasons for the war, but the president insisted the focus stay on those two tenuous items. Aides who raise questions quickly find themselves shut out of access to the president or other top advisors. Among top officials, Bush's inner circle is shrinking. Secretary of State Powell has fallen out of favor because of his growing doubts about the administration's war against Iraq. The president's abrupt dismissal of CIA director George Tenet Wednesday night is aides say an example of how he works. Tenet wanted to quit last year, but the president got his back up and wouldn't hear of it, says an aide. That would have been the opportune time to make the change, not in the middle of an election campaign. But when the director challenged the president during the meeting Wednesday, the president cut him off by saying, That's it, George. I cannot abide disloyalty. I want your resignation, and I want it now. 
Tenet was allowed to resign voluntarily, and Bush informed his shocked staff of the decision Thursday morning. One aide says the president actually described the decision as God's will. God may also be the reason Attorney General John Ascroft, the administration's lightning rod because of his questionable actions that critics argue threaten freedoms granted by the Constitution, remains part of the power elite. West Wing staffers call Bush and Ashcroft the Blues Brothers because they're on a mission from God. The Attorney General is tight with the President because of religion, says 1A. They both believe any action is justifiable in the name of God. But the President who says he rules at the behest of God can also tongue-lash those he perceives as disloyal, calling them effing holes in front of the other staff, berating one cabinet official in front of others, and labeling anyone who disagrees with him unpatriotic or anti-American. That was effing holes. The mood here is that we're under siege. There's no doubt about it, says one troubled aide who admits he's looking for work elsewhere. In this administration, you don't have to wear a turban or speak Farsi to be an enemy of the U.S. All you have to do is disagree with the president. Mm. How do you like that? A little bit unsettling, ain't it, wouldn't you say? Killing. A little bit on the disturbing side, I would say. Abu Ghraib. <laughs> yeah. On the disturbed like that. side? Huh? On the disturbed side? Yeah, a little under the stir. I see, uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, Josh hasn't written Robert De Niro on there yet, which was your choice. Oh, I forgot to tell him. That's my bad. Oh, well, I read Robert the list there. He should have been hopping right on it, man. He should have been right on the edge of the seat. It's either that or off to that chiropractic clinic, one or the other. It's your choice. So far, 25 votes. Who is the most overrated movie actor or actress of all time? James Dean, 11. John Wayne, 9. Marilyn Monroe, 5. That's the only three on there, because I'm rambling. But I think it was pretty important rambling stuff so far. Mm. And there's only one call anyway. WQAM. Yeah, I would take De Niro off the list and replace him with Kevin Costner. Kevin Costner is good, okay. Well, what do you mean we take him off the list? We're not taking him off the list. I told you I'd get some crap. He that. was great in his time, but lately uh, he's made a lot of crap, and he's become uh, kind of like like you said, a parody of himself. So we're adding Kevin Costner on here, and I, I'm going to change my vote. God, that's a good one. <laughs> no, I, I can't stand Kevin Costner. He's no, just so boring, man. He's just he's terminal. He's kind of like the... Uh, Dave Van Voring of uh, the Silver Screen. Yeah, he should stick to directing and not be in his own movies this time. Who, Dave Van Voring? Yeah. 26 past 10 at 560 WQAM. Hey, let me tell you about your feet right now. No matter how big or small they are, how they smell, the place you want to take them is Brandy's in Pompano Beach because for years and years now, Brandy's has been the place to go for top-quality name-brand shoes at unbeatable prices. The staff there knows your feet inside and out. They're the experts. You just don't wander around uh, aimlessly in the store. And at Brandy's, you'll find top-quality names like Rockport, Florsheim, S.A.S., Sperry, Timberland, Naturalizer, and lots more, all the big names in the business. And with Brandy's humongous selection, you can just about bet Moe's life on it that whatever you're looking for, they got it in your size on the shelf right now. In fact, people usually buy several pair in each visit because the deals are so great. Brandy's is open daily, Monday through Saturday from 9 to 9, Sundays 10 to 5, and you'll find them at 1290 North Federal Highway in Pompano Beach. It's always worth the trip from anywhere in South Florida. And just in time for Father's Day, step up to Florsheim. All great Floorsheim styles are 20% off right now, so come into the store or check them out on the web at brandyshoes.com. Live and local, this, this is 560. The radio is all yours now. QAM. Ancient evil has returned. Any the world has ever known. Oh, hello. Howard Stern. Now, one secret government agency. Welcome to the Federal Communications Commission. You look like a fat black man. I've been called upon to stand against them. You must put your hands on the pants of a woman, don't you? You in the night. And we are the ones who... 
You've never done it. Skip to the end, will you? How do I kill it? Hell, John. Wow. Now banned from a radio near you. Well, guess what? Here's some good news. Janet Jackson's nipple slip and Bono's award show expletives notwithstanding, the prospects for any serious legislation clamping down on broadcasting decency seem to be fading. All right. While the House of Representatives in March passed a bill by a vote of 391 to 22, a staggering vote that would greatly increase the financial penalties on broadcasters found to have violated so-called standards of decency, the Senate, after some early blustering, seems to be losing interest. According to the New York Times, a measure approved by the Senate Commerce Committee is yet to be scheduled for discussion by the full body. One reason for this delay in bringing the bill to the Senate floor is the slim majority held by Republicans who may not want to invest too much political capital on such a divisive issue. Additionally, the Senate version of the anti-indecency legislation contains some highly controversial provisions, including one that would seek to curb violent content on television, not just sex and swearing, that the House bill explicitly avoided. Plus... The issue of the war in Iraq, especially the prisoner abuse scandal, Abu Ghraib. has overshadowed the Super Bowl halftime show, and there's some concern on Capitol Hill that politicians who push too hard on the decency issue may risk appearing to have their priorities out of whack, the Times said. No kidding. No Schmidt. This looks like a cheap date to me, observed Charles Cook, the editor of the Cook Political Report, a nonpartisan political newsletter. You come out for motherhood apple pie and decency, and you know it's not going anywhere. Well put, right? Who the hell wants to come out for indecency, for a smut, for all of those terrible things, all of those words? Yay, filth. Gene Hackman, somebody says, now you see, it's not important whether we agree or disagree, because right. a lot of these selections for our poll today we'll disagree with, but Gene Hackman, I like Gene Hackman a lot, I think he's one of the great actors of all time, but what do I know, I might be a, a moron, for example. What's important? What's what? important is that we spend five minutes arguing about each and every entry. No, no, I got. I don't have five minutes to argue about each and every one. Oh, I that's got, right, you're lying. I got too many fish to fry today. I got a lot of heavy-duty stuff, a lot of reading to do. It's a good thing that my blood sugar is nice and low this morning, and I'm very articulate, and my tongue is not wrapped around the corners of my teeth, etc. You have those days, you know. Sure. Or it's all good. There, you got to have a sore. James Dean's got 21. No, I don't have a sore. Maybe you have a sore. It sounds no, like a chirpy to me. Sometimes. Uh, sounds like uh, oral syphilis to me. James Dean, 21, John Wayne, 16, Marilyn Monroe, 11, Kevin Costner, 9, and Robert De Niro's got one. Only one. And that was your vote, right? Right. Well, so blame it on George if you were pissed off about Robert De Niro being on the list, you okay? You love him, but, but yeah, I understand the point. In fact, I would also put on there, and people will get really crazy about this, but if you want to put on people who become parodies in themselves and haven't done anything good in a long time, how about Al Pacino? Right. I'm not going to say Al Pacino. Uh, well, I just did. If you didn't say Robert De Niro, I'll say Al Pacino, okay? Absolutely. Oh, my God. No, that's what I'm saying. I know it was you, Fredo. You broke my heart. You broke my heart. In fact, I think it started with that set of a woman crap. <laughs> oh, man. that I think you need to see that someday, just to appreciate how bad it is. Look, if it's raining on a Saturday and uh, nothing else is on a lot. Yeah, if it's like the end of the world or something like that. Now, what What is this? Florida's Latino vote in 2004, somebody just faxed in some pool. Thing there. Everybody's got a pool, so to well, speak. Can I say that anymore? No. Everybody's got a, a bush in Florida, partly in response. What is NDN? I don't know what I, that is. Uh, huh? I don't know. Oh, well, that would help. The NDN's great Spanish language ad campaign, partly in response to shifting demographics. Uh, Cubans born in Cuba, Bush 80, Kerry 12. Cubans born in the U.S., Bush 33, Kerry 54. Well, what kind of a poll is that? You're only talking about uh, 150 people. What, what kind of a poll is that? 
Jesus, God Almighty. I think those are percentages. Are, are now, they? it does have the thing about population growing. Huh? Are, are those not percentages listed there? Oh, I see. Well, it doesn't say that. It doesn't. I just but... thought that this was uh, a little, like I said, this is a great fax. Thank you so much. I don't know. It, just the way it's written. I mean, look at it. You see what right. I'm saying? It looks like those are numbers. It doesn't look like percentages. Cuba, now, now it has some great significance. Like I said, Cubans born in Cuba, Bush 80% carry 12%. Why doesn't it say that, for Christ's sakes? And Cubans born in the U.S., Bush 33%, carry 54%. Incredible. Now that, uh, see, times are a-changing. Mm -hmm. So the programming, the brainwashing ain't taken, ain't holding. Well, that's because the people that come from Latin America, they are part of that uh, Fidel, Fidel, all of that crap, you know. Comunista, right. that's all in the past. They don't care about no, that. Plus, the... they remember Nicaragua. I guarantee if you took a poll in Latin America about Ronald Reagan, they wouldn't be oh. waxing so enthusiastic <laughs> and emotional. Yeah. Take a poll down in Grenada, see how they're doing with the old hand grenade. Florida's population has got the same line in here. has grown more than a million since last election. Six and a half percent increase. Nearly half of those new residents were Hispanic. No spigot of English. Speak it at Bonnie. Speak it at Bonnie, man. As a matter of fact, I think that that puts me right over the edge right now, okay? I think that convinces me. Format change. It's the first bra that keeps... Oh, and they're doing oh, an English know. language uh, spot. That's bad. Well, I'll get back to it. But it's a bra spot. You'll be pleased about that. So how do you like that? There you go. Let's get a lot of that Celia Cruz crap on here. All right, let's get to some of these polls, get some names on some of these call. WQAM, hello. Yeah, you got somebody for your poll? Yes, sir. Julia Roberts. Julia Roberts. A lot of people can't stand her. Okay. Thank you so much. I mean, I liked Julia Roberts just fine, but uh, I thought Sleeping with the Enemy was great. You didn't like that movie, did you? No, I liked it fine. Did you? I've yeah. seen it a whole bunch of times. About really. 30, man. I think it's great. Who was the actor once. in that movie? Oh, he's been in a million things, and I can never think of his name. He was really good. Creepy. William um, Charles... Uh, Hung. William Hung. He should be. I well, after that, uh, And then when he showed up again at the uh, nursing home with her mother, that part, man, they, that was uh, that was really something. WQAM, hello. Hi. Uh, Neil Rogers was just reading uh, an article about the erratic behavior of Bush. Right. And I wanted to know the source of that. It's from CapitalHillBlue.com. CapitalHillBlue.com. Right. Is that also on his website? It's on today. It's the lead story. Okay. Thanks. Thank you very much. Bye. Sure. So the lead story. Thanks, Eric. Eric found it. I have no idea how he found it, especially with a stomach like that, but he found it. But at any rate, in fact, uh, here's another one. Bush knew about leak of CIA operative's name. We'll get to that, too, also from Capitol Hill Blue. We better put a link to that website on there. You know what? Uh, I don't want to. I don't want to create too much work now. I don't want to like, push him a little bit too far. Then he'll hand the keys to the kingdom over to Josh, which is long overdue, by the way. WQAM, hello. Yeah, I want to. Um, I'm in for the pool. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. What is it? Keanu Reeves. Della Reeves. Keanu Reeves is the oh, name. Oh, Keanu Reeves. Okay, Della Reeves. Keanu Reeves. Same person, by the way. He looks lovely with that dress on. Keanu Reeves, very good. That guy was a little incoherent. He probably had a pot of, I don't know. A pot? Maybe just an ounce. Huh? He had a pot? He had a pot to a pee in. Well, as a matter of fact, Josh Beckett will be over uh, before the game. <laughs> You're that up. Oh, Keanu Reeves, despised by many. I still say he was really good as the villain in that one movie that I can never think of the name of. See, that's what. I, see, it's not a question of just getting old. That's a big part of it, the Alzheimer's, Ronnie, but... It's also the, uh, you've seen so many of these damn right. things, and who can keep one separate from the other? They start to It's just like it. that thing about Sigourney Weaver and Alien. I still say the, I still say that damn thing came popping out of her, you know? <laughs> and the Alien, too. 
Maybe I'm thinking of a different movie. Maybe it was like Debbie Does Dallas I'm thinking of. <laughs> 21 before 11. How's it coming so far? We've got a few names on there. It's building. We're, we're building it nice and slow. Paul Building is boring. Come on, you can do it, Pally. Paul Building is boring. He'll be here. <laughs> He's one of my all-time favorites. 85 votes. James Dean, 28. John Wayne, 22. Kevin Costner, 18. Marilyn Monroe, 16. The most overrated actor-actress of all time, movie actress. He's, we have said movie, you notice? Robert De Niro, 1. None yet for Gene Hackman, Al Pacino, Julia Roberts, or Keanu Reeves. The reason I said movie actor-actress is because that leaves that are open for doing, like, TV kind of a person. Right. See? Oh, but what if they were a move? 20 before 11 at 560. Look, no matter what we do, you know, there's always going to be, oh, gee, you know, all the nitpickers out there. Like yesterday, we had like two or three nitpickers. Well, technically, you know, and how come you didn't understand those were percentages on that poll before you, moron? Because I'm a stupid jerk, okay? I'm a moron. I'm an idiot. I'm a it's fool, live okay? radio. Like, we have time to discuss and dissect and figure yeah, out Yeah, with our vast QAM staff <laughs> of sports nerds, including the big, oh! who admits he don't know nothing about horse racing, but he just likes to open up a big yap. I never, I never turn this thing on at night when I'm in here uh, sending Eric stories on the website. But I happened to open it up last night, the pot, at about ten till ten, and there was the big, oh, and some caller, some ass kisser was on there. Oh, and they were ripping you all day because of the stupid things you said about the horse race, and you don't know anything about it, and you admit you, and oh, I know nothing about horse racing, and blah blah blah. And but when it comes to football, and the guy was just licking and licking and licking. What have I said? Most callers to talk shows. All they want to do is either one thing, ingratiate themselves, or take a cheap shot. That's all, one or the other. Everything else is in between, in the middle. But that's the overwhelming majority of people that call these stupid-ass talk shows is either, the, oh, suck up, oh, you're the greatest thing I ever heard, or you suck, you know, well, something like that. And quite frankly, I would have rather heard a caller saying to Orlando, you suck, big, oh. you're terrible, you know nothing. You're a horse's ass. Would have been a lot more fun. Anyway, let me tell you about Charles Alfieri. It's no fun when your hair starts falling out. Some guys in their early 20s start losing it, like Tom Brady, for example. He may have two championship rings on his fingers, but he ain't got too much hair on his head. Although he can probably afford to go to Chuck Alfieri, I would think. You don't have to be a millionaire to do that. For more than 35 years, Charlie's been a top uh, name in the business of getting hair back on your head. He's been on Good Morning America, the Today Show, CBS Morning News. In fact, when I think of Tom Brady, the word head immediately comes into my mind. Charlie's got the most amazing natural hairline system you'll find anywhere. The most critical area of any hair system is that hairline, and Charlie's new skin-like hair system looks like the real thing. It's 100% undetectable. And Charlie gives you this guarantee. He tries hair system for About 30, man. days, and after a month, if you don't love the way it looks and feels and smells, if you're not getting more action than you can even handle, return it for a full refund. No problem at all. Charlie also services and repairs existing hair systems, including shampoo and trim. So don't delay. Call Charlie today and look better and younger than you ever dreamed you could again. Forget about those dangerous pills and all these other schlockmeisters who are trying to peddle you a big song and a dance. Charlie is the best in the world when it comes to getting your hair back for you. Call toll-free 1-800-321-2413. That's 1-800-321-2413 or log on to their website at charlesalfieri.com. We're Sports Radio 560 UAM.
every week on AI. That's all red-headed guy named John Stevens. My name is John Stevens. Makes every dog and cat howl cause he's so flat. Poor John Stevens. My name Every note that comes out his throat ain't the note they wrote. Why the hell is he still there? I'm a crooner. Every song seems an hour long. Every tune is wrong. He's so bad it's a nightmare. Ooh, I'm John Stevens. He's so pale, pasty white. He's transparent at night. That John Stevens. Ooh, I'm John Stevens, baby. He can't sing. He can't dance. There's no free getaway. He should advance. Well, let's have another round for the audience on John Stevens. But then week after week, there's that carrot top geek still singing. Ooh, I appreciate it, baby. Forgetting could take years, cause my poor bleeding ears are still Ten forty-seven at five sixty WQM. Most overrated actors. Somebody says Rock Hudson. He died, by the way, in nineteen eighty-five. I looked it up because I wanted to find out when Reagan was finally able to break his silence on AIDS and could actually bring himself to say something. Nineteen eighty-five. He was in office. Uh, let's see, since January of eighty-one. It took him uh, four and a half years before he could finally even utter the word. But when one of his people from Hollywood died from AIDS, all of a sudden he became this great. Well, kind of like marginal. And most overrated actress, Raquel Welch. Okay, we're talking about acting in Broadway, I would assume. Right. Correct? Acting. Speaking of actors, bad actors, Bush knew about leak of CIA operative's name. Also from Capitol Hill Blue. Witnesses told a federal grand jury President George W. Bush knew about and took no action to stop the release of a covert CIA operative's name to a journalist and then attempted to discredit her husband, a critic of administration policy in Iraq. Their damning testimony has prompted Bush to contact an outside lawyer for legal advice because evidence increasingly points to his involvement in the leak of covert CIA operative Valerie Plame's name, the syndicated columnist Robert Novak. This is right in line with that first article we had from uh, Capitol Hill's Blue, uh, Hill right. Blue before. The move suggests that the president anticipates being questioned by prosecutors. Sources say grand jury witnesses have implicated the president and his top advisor, Karl Rove. That sounds like a very distinct... Violation of law to me, a grotesque violation of law. It sounds like impeachment all over again. Oi! Doesn't it? Yeah. White House spokesman, however, dismissed the hiring of outside counsel as a routine precaution. The president has made it very clear he wants everyone to cooperate fully with the investigation. That would include himself. White House <clears throat> Press Secretary Scott McClellan said Wednesday night he confirmed that Bush had contacted Washington Attorney Jim Sharp. In the, in the event the president needs his advice, I expect he probably would retain him, McClellan said. There's no indication Bush has been questioned yet. A federal grand jury has questioned numerous White House administration officials to learn who leaked the name of CIA operative Plame, wife of former Ambassador Joseph Wilson, to the news media. Wilson is charged that officials made the disclosure in an effort to discredit him. Bush has been an outspoken critic of leaks, saying they can be very damaging, but has expressed doubt that the government's investigation will pinpoint who is responsible. While Bush has said he welcomed the leak investigation, it's been an awkward development for a president who promised to bring integrity and leadership to the White House after years of Republican criticism and investigations of the Clinton administration for those jobs. Even though he was, has a White House counsel, Bush is dependent on outside lawyers for private matters. A memo distributed to the staff last year reminded officials that the counsel's office works solely for the president in his official capacity and is not a private attorney for anyone. 
It speaks for itself that the president initially claimed he wanted to get to the bottom of this, but now he suddenly retained a lawyer, said General Cabrera, spokesman for the Democratic National Committee. Bush shouldn't drag the country through grand juries and legal maneuvering. President Bush should come forward with what he knows and come clean to the American people. Plane was first identified by syndicated columnist and TV commentator Novak in a column last July. Novak said his information came from administration sources. Wilson has said he believes his wife's name was leaked because of his criticism of Bush administration claims that Iraq had tried to obtain uranium from Niger, which Wilson investigated for the CIA and found out to be untrue. Disclosure of an undercover officer's identity can be a federal crime. The grand jury has heard from witnesses and combed through the thousands of pages of documents turned over by the White House but returned no indictments yet. The probe is being handled by Chicago U.S. Attorney Patrick Fitzgerald, appointed after Attorney General John Ascroft stepped aside from the case because of his political ties to the White House and God. Wilson has suggested in the book that the leaker was Lewis Scooter Libby, Chief of Staff to Vice President Cheney. Oh, my God. But Wilson's book, The Politics of Truth, gave no conclusive evidence for the claim. The White House denied the claim and accused Wilson of seeking to bolster the campaign of John Kerry, for whom he's acted as a foreign policy advisor. Wilson also said it's possible the leak came from Elliot Abrams, a figure in the Reagan administration who ran Contra Affair and now a member of Bush's National Security Council. Oh, and speaking of uh, those people from back in the Reagan days, they had the chutzpah to put that piece of crap Paul Wolfowitz on there, and he was waxing eloquent about his days when he was doing dirty deeds for the Reagan crowd. Paul Wolfowitz, how do you like that? Mm. Enough to make me gag. And Rove, Bush's chief political advisor, may have circulated information about Wilson and Plame in administration and neoconservative circles, even if Rove was not himself the leaker, Wilson wrote. Another possibility is that two lower-level officials in Cheney's office, John Hanna or David Wormser, rhymes with Mumser, Leaked claims identity at the behest of higher-ups to keep their fingerprints off the crime rules and speculated. Sources with the investigation say evidence points to Rove approving release of the leak. Oh, let Josh Beckett know what time it's happening. The end of their investigation suggests the president knew about Rove's actions, but took no action to stop release of claims name, which makes him, of course, a guilty party. An impeachable offense, a high crime, a federal crime. How do you like that? I just mentioned these things in passing. Five six seven oh five sixty pound five sixty on the AT and T and Verizon wireless line. Who is the most overrated movie actor or actress of all time? That's our poll question today on neilrogers.com, along with the lovely Charlize Theron, and that link to a Michael Moore's Fahrenheit nine eleven movie trailer, which is coming out. Don't forget, soon, two weeks from this Friday, Friday June twenty five. WQAM, hello. Um, Humphrey Bogart. Humphrey Bogart. Ooh, okay, yeah. a lot of people say, oh, huh? I want to change my vote. Oh, yeah, a lot of people think that he was much ado about nothing. He was great in the Cane Mutiny, though, make no mistake about it. Right, excellent. African Queen wasn't bad. All the rest. Yeah. In fact, uh, Greg said that if he could uh, borrow those steel balls, he might kind of like emulate him. Shame. Running around the building trying to find out who hit the strawberries, who the mole is. You know, I, he's, I, We've I already heard. seen him do some of those things. WQAM, hello. Hello? Yes, sir. Oh, hang on. i got a lot of machines on here. I can't Sorry. hear Sorry. Okay. Can we move out of the way of the radio and the delay? You sound fine to me. I don't hear any of that. Well, I'm having a hard time hearing you. Uh, the uh, the level on the uh, on the okay. Phone well, what do you got for us, Pally? Okay. Uh, I have a question about yesterday's poll. What were the results? Because I need to laugh this morning. What were the results? Bush got sixty nine point four percent. There you go. <laughs> he got a little chuckle out of that. No extra charge. All right, that was nice. I see you're knocking the callers. That was good. I, get, I did a pubic service for that guy. With yeah. all the crap that's going on in the world, all the depressing stuff going on around us, with Smarty Jones getting nosed out there in a uh, Belmont. 
We have to have something that we can be positive about that we can wrap our legs around and say, hey, this is really great. And he got a good chuckle out of it. Not a big chuckle. <laughs> like that. How do you like that? I like he might Maybe he might have liked this, too. MTV to cut shot of Eminem exposing Rectum. his rear. <gasps> this is part of the atmosphere. Can't show no rear. Especially if you're queer. Well, he ain't queer. We hope. Because we don't want him. At least me. Eminem's moon has been eclipsed, is what it says here. MTV plans to cut a shot of the rapper exposing his rear end Rectum. to the audience at the 2004 Movie Awards when the show is broadcast this Thursday at 9 p.m. A network representative confirmed MTV already had enough problem. They had their hand in that booby problem with Janet Jackson and Justin Tinkerbell. The last thing they want to do is start showing Rectum. ass on the air now. Eminem, who performed at the Saturday Night Taping with his group D12, appeared on stage dressed in a long red wig and jeans in a parody of Guns N' Roses singer Axl Rose. He repeatedly groped and flashed a studded cod piece in front of the cameras. Oh, he stole that from Clockwork Orange. Okay, yeah. He repeatedly groped and flashed a studded cod piece in front of the cameras and the thousands of people in the live audience. Toward the end of the performance, he pulled down his trousers and flashed his bare Rectum. ass at the audience. Representatives for MTV, which was slammed for producing, see here it is, Janet Jackson's Super Bowl halftime performance, immediately said an Eminem's act would be sanitized for broadcast, possibly by blurring out his Rectum. ass. Ultimately, the producers chose to edit out his rear altogether, the network said on Monday. Eminem's representatives did not immediately return a call for comment when asked by the uh, AP. How do you like that? So now we have an ass concert. Tom's first it was boobies, now it's asses. And I'm, I'm really curious about one thing, because we've all seen those ads for, like, diapers and pampers, and right. uh, where they have, like, babies' bottoms, you know, little babies running around naked. Mm -hmm. How old do you have to be before uh, you're too old to show your ass on the ear? About 30, man. Uh, 150. <laughs> huh? 150. Is that it? Yeah. Unless you're at least 150 years old, we can't show your ass naked on TV. So if you're, like, under the age of, uh, well, I, but where's the cutoff? You're, you're no, going no. from the wrong angle, oh, so I'm you sorry. don't understand. From the wrong end? From the wrong, uh, from the ass end. <laughs> In other words, up to, up to what age can you still show the, uh, ass before you start deciding that it may be a little bit over the line? About 30, man. Sounds reasonable to me. Diapers. Plus, who wants to see some, uh, 50 year old, you know, some 50 year old Yo. pimply nasty, see? Told you. Ten fifty six at five sixty WQM. If you're still nervous about buying your bed over the phone because it's a major purchase, let me tell you, have no fear because Dollar Mattress is here. I've been doing it for years, for over twenty five years. Millions of smart people have dialed one eight hundred M A T T R E S because they know they're getting the lowest prices on the best brands in bedding. It's the smartest way to get you a great night's sleep for a long time to come. There's no risk at all because if it's not perfect in every way, just call it back for a full comfort exchange. It's completely free within 30 days. About 30, man. No extra fees, no strings attached. Dollar Mattress is ranked number one in customer satisfaction, and we're winners of the 2004 Better Business Bureau Local Torts of Excellence Award. When you call 1-800-MATTRESS, you'll get the best prices on the best brands with delivery on your schedule when it's convenient for you in that two-hour window you pick and the best customer service in the business. So why would you waste any of your time and gas schlepping from showroom to showroom? Why be all far blunted in this heat? Dollar Mattress has the... See, there it is again for you. <laughs> Dollar Mattress has the complete line of Sealy, Serta, King Coral, Simmons, Tempur-Pedic, and Stearns and Bananas Foster. From Kendall to Stewart, Palm Beach to Fort Myers, Dollar Mattress will deliver you the finest bedding anywhere. But you have to do that one easy call. That's all you have to do. Pick up that phone and dial 1-800-MATTRESS, 1-800-M-A-T-T-R-E-S, or do it online at mattress.com. <laughs> Sports Radio 560, QAM. Ward, not as pedophile. Coming soon, it's the movie we've all been waiting for. 
quiet thing. As a gladiator, it's Troy. The classic story of, uh, well, it's based on the epic poem by, oh, who cares? It's Brad Pitt in a gladiator outfit. I am Achilles, and now we must engage in hot, sweaty, man-on-man combat action. Charge! Listen to what the critics are saying about Troy. Rex Reed calls it the feel-myself hit of the summer. Rex Reed says, pass me the Trojans, honey. And in the words of Rex Reed, if you see only one homoerotic gladiator movie this year, see Troy. Men, attack from the rear! If muscular men in leather skirts are your Achilles heel, then prance to a theater near you to see Brad Pitt, as you've always wanted to see him in Troy. Son doce los centros termales de esta comarca, conocida como Los Siete Lagos, un verdadero santuario de bellezas naturales. See, every hour what we're going to do is just put a few seconds of Espanol in there that the rest of us have no idea what they're saying. See, like that. And then that way it'll be like a magnet, a magnet. For our new Hispanic friends who are just coming to South Florida from Honduras and Nicaragua and Brazil and uh, hey, we could teach El Salvador. Diesel. What? We could teach English as a second language. Right, because South Florida is a second language. And then Yiddish is a third language. 5670560, pound 560 on the AT&T and Verizon Wireless line. Who is the worst, the most overrated, not worst, who is the most overrated Movie actor, actress of all time. John Wayne, that was my vote, and he's leading 44 for the Duke. Couldn't act his way out of a paper sack. There's only one group of people in America who are just obsessed with John Wayne. Yeah. Rednecks. The Duke. I thought you were going to say Republicans. Rednecks. Well, is there a difference? No. Rednecks. John Wayne, 44. James Dean, 44. He only made three freaking movies for crying out loud, and they made him into like a, a big cult hero. What's that all about? Plus, he smelled bad. Kevin Costner, 38. Yeah, he was, I guess James Dean didn't uh, use the soap a lot because he was afraid he'd drop it. Oh, speaking of that, Keanu Reeves, 27. Marilyn Monroe, 25. Julia Roberts, 15. And then way down to Al Pacino's got a pair. And he wouldn't have any if it weren't for the fact that he said, One time too many. Gene Hackman won. Robert De Niro's got only one. That's George's. Rock Hudson won out of 198 votes. And Raquel Welch and Humphrey Bogart so far have got the big. Oh! But we'll have lots more, I'm sure. Dozens and dozens and zillions, right? Right. WQAM, hello. Hey, Uncle Neil. Yes, sir. I, I, I'd say John Wayne because every movie he's in, he talks the same, even as Genghis Khan. <laughs> the Duke? The even Duke. as Genghis Khan, he talked like that. The Duke. Yeah, he's a piece of crap. He's dead, though, so we can't get uh, to the Duke no more, you know? In fact, I, uh, when I think of the Duke, I often think of Ronald Reagan. Mm-hmm. A lot of similarities. A lot of similarities there. B, well, Duke wasn't in B-grade movies. He was in, uh, you know, bigger movies, but he couldn't right. act at all. And uh, right wing, about as right wing mm-hmm. as you can get. State of mind. The whole deal. Never saw him at the Rascal House. WQAM, hello. How you doing, man? Okay. How about, what about Ronald Reagan? He was a pretty bad actor. Yeah, but he was never rated good actor by anybody. See, the overrated is the question. But nice try. And not only that, don't don't be knocking out poor Ronnie while everybody... Look at that. There's the coffin right now. Yeah, don't knock on the box. The legacy that he left behind and set a, a path for the American future, you know, something that's going to affect my life. Oh, what a, yeah. what a joke. What a freaking joke. What are these punks doing out there? How their parents must have dragged them along. What are these young punks? Let's see. He was president from 80 to 88. Okay, that's like 16 years is 88, right? 
And here's a punk okay. that's like 25 years old. What the hell does he know about Ronald Reagan and his legacy, okay? You idiots, you morons, you quizlings. This is so sad. It's the flamingo effect one all over again. Like when they blow the whistle at Hialeah, or they used to before Brunetti destroyed the track. They used to blow the whistle and the, the uh, flamingos would all goose step over because they knew it was feeding time. It's marching time, baby. Put on them boots and goose step. Come on. You can do it. That's it. My God, what is wrong with people? But he was a movie actor, and he talked. He was very glib, you know. Nancy, mommy, is it nap time yet, mommy? Five, six, seven. The only thing that he ever said, and this is the freaking truth, that made any sense to me was Rick Wiley is an imbecile. That I would have to agree with. And finally, yesterday, before the show, George came out of the closet, admitted that Rick Wiley was a jerk. WQAM, hello. Yes, I want to add a name. Yes, sir. Mr. Elvis Presley. Elvis Presley, boy, he made some pretty crappy movies, wasn't he? Oh, my he? God, the crap. Exactly. Okay, see you in Blue Hawaii. Elvis of the Kang. You're unfair to Elvis, I want to say that again. No. It was, see, the one thing is music in, in, in its time. His but music I was fine. I listen to music out of its time in its Would time. Would you listen to me? No. But his movies, even in their time, they still sucked. They were yeah. brutal. So were Blue songs. Hawaii and whatever else. All They were all the same. You know, they were all crap. So we'll put Elvis on there. The King, which will give you a chance to bash Elvis a little bit. All you relentless Elvish ba uh, bashers out there. Elvish? Those Elvish bashers. Yes. Let's go to Graceland. You know, the, what's going on with the Reagan with the casket right now, it, it's the same as the people that slept at Graceland. I don't see any difference at all. The hero worshippers. Oh, gosh, Elvis. Uh, th those people, we need, we need to be protected from those people. And you'd say, well, what about the religious nuts? I don't see much difference because no. it's the same the same concept. It's just nuts. Oh, and look, can I ask you a question since you were a born a Catholic for about five minutes and then mm -hmm. we went right. through all the other crap? Until I was but nine, the Catholic part married. of it is how many times do you need to cross yourself to make sure you've done the right thing? About 30, man. I mean, if I have to see Arnold and Maria Shriver crossing themselves at the casket as they, like, waddled away, what was that? Did you see that? No. She must have crossed herself about a half a dozen times, I guess, just to make sure. Why? Well, so bitch. I got the explanation as far as Catholics go. Yeah. Because it's all, you know, purgatory and deeds in a matter of degrees with them. So the more you cross yourself, the less time you spend in purgatory. Oh, you're like P Pudge Rodriguez. Right. Well, that's a good point. He crossed himself a lot and he got out of Florida. Right. That's why they say. But, huh? but then he wound up in Detroit, so it goes wow. to show you. Maybe he crossed Be it the wrong way. Be careful what you ask for because you might just get it. You don't crisscross, Pudge. Oh, I can't stand crisscross. WQAM, hello. Hey, now. Yes, sir. Could I add Mel Gibson to your poll, please? Mel Gibson is fantastic. You can sure you don't have to ask me, man. I'd put him Thank right up there on top. Yeah. Thank you so much, Mel Gibson. Yeah. That's all I got. I got one word for him, <laughs> if that's a word. Oh, speaking of a uh, jock stand, stupid things. Now this is a guy I really like, but uh, you know, every, why do we have to be politically correct? Poor Bill Parcells. You got to sympathize with the fat guys, right? Right, mm -hmm. Josh? Yeah, sure. No, nobody don't like Bill Parcells, do they? No, everybody likes him. He's a likable guy, but he apologized Monday for calling the surprise plays used in practice Jap plays, saying the remark was inappropriate. Okay. The Dallas Cowboys coach was talking to reporters at the team's minicamp about how his quarterback's coach and defensive coordinator tried to outdo each other when he made the comment in a pair of reference to Japan's 1941 sneak attack on Pearl Harbor. you got to keep an eye on those two because they're going to try to get the upper hand, Parcel said about Sean Payton and Mike Zimmer. Mike wants the defense to do well, and Sean, he's going to have a few. No disrespect for the Orientals, but what we call jack plays. Okay, surprise things. 
Uh, well, I mean, is that a big deal? Why does everybody have to be politically correct? Even uh, Junior Seau with his faggot comment. Who cares? I mean, do we even know if anybody complained about that line? Well, I'm going to get to that. Will okay. you relax? All right. <laughs> Akira Kubomoshima. I beg your pardon. Akira Kubomoshima, the editor of Japan's American Football Magazine, was in the room but said he wasn't offended but believed some people would be. Uh. He also said he was surprised more by the reaction of other reporters than the comment. There's a lot of chance for somebody to feel offended. He said to me it was no big deal. So we had the right altitude. Right. No big deal. See? No thing. I heard from now on they're going to call them Indian plays. Cowboy spokesman Rich Dalrymple apologized on behalf of the organization and Parcells later issued a statement. I made a very inappropriate reference, and although I prefaced it with a remark, no disrespect to anyone intended, it was still uncalled for and inconsiderate, Parcells said. For that, I apologize to anyone who may have been offended. He's apologizing. Just like Arnold apologized for all those women that he groped, he's going to investigate it. Oh, he changed his mind. He's not going to investigate it after all, because now he's the terminated the governor. In fact, the whole thing with Reagan and Arnold being there, it's so I see such stark, scary similarities, you know. Although at least the one thing with Arnold is, at least so far, he isn't having his strings controlled by the ultra-right-wing Republicans. As far as we can see. Like Reagan was, boy. He was, uh, he was their darling, man. He was the beginning of what we got now. He was the beginning of the fascist era in America. But you can't say that. Oh, just wait till I get these 85,000 articles here uh, ripping Reagan an ass. And I'm going to read each and every single one of them. All right. These 50,000 of them. Telling you, you know, setting the record straight so that people like these punks that are out there uh, at the uh, casket because it's a happening. It's something to do. A tisket casket. Let's go see the casket, you know? What kind of crap is that? WQAM, hello. Jesus Christ, Neil. Yes, sir. 35 minutes on hold, okay? You are um, 35 minutes on hold. How could you have been on hold? I'm not hold. Ringing. The phone ringing. Ringing. Well, kept, kept you off the streets, man. Okay, thank you, sir. Hello? Yes. What do you got? Uh, yeah, um, I don't know if you've heard anything about this, Neil, but have you heard about those those calls? That, uh, I got a call yesterday at home, and I answered. It said unknown number. I answered anyway, and it was uh, a recording. Hi, oh, this is John Kerry, uh, you know, asking if you'll make a, a contribution to the right. campaign. Press 1 and press 2, and then press 3 was, uh, you know, are you going to vote for us? So I just pressed 3, and then I hung up. But um, I, I, I never seen a call or heard of something like that where they did like telemarketing for the president. Uh, well, I, I guess you've been blessed. Anyway, uh, for, on the poll thing, um, anybody who would say Gene Hackman or Robert De Niro are overrated are buffoons. Even though I love George in every other way, but but he's uh, a buffoon. At times he can be a buffoon. We can all be buffoons at times, and he's a little buffoonery. That's no, right. I understand. I understand what he's saying because I agree with him. De Niro, in the last uh, many years now, he's done. This, he's always the same, you know. He does a lot of crap, some real garbage. Nah, I disagree. Anyways, you don't think so? No, for me, the poll Harrison Ford. Ooh, I like Harrison Ford. No, overrated. Okay, thanks, Pally. Okay, right. vote five times, please. I disagree with him, but well, I had too. But th this is their opinion. That's I know. Why I'm this not poll, saying don't put see, it on there. This is great. I love this poll. Yeah. Who is the most... <laughs> he can disagree with Robert De Niro. I can disagree with uh, Harrison Ford. I, I agree with Robert De Niro. I happen to be... Right. I'm backing you up on this one, which I rarely do because it's more fun not to. But right. it just, uh, you know, I, I understand what you're saying. Just like I'm saying Pacino. Al Pacino's made so many great movies, but on the other hand, uh, he's made a lot. And not mm -hmm. just not just recently has he made stinkers, but Cruising, for example. What kind of a pile of Schmidt was that? Gay. And he admitted later on, after he made the movie, that he was sorry that he got sucked into that thing, if I can say that. He just, uh, it was garbage. Yeah, it was. And it was a, uh, it was a tool, if I can say that, of uh, <laughs> enormous hatred and uh, stereotype. But at any rate, that was garbage. 
But uh, and he's made. What was the one I was telling you about that I saw a couple of months ago here that I'd never seen before? The streets of New York or something like that? What was that? I don't know. Oh my God! He was doing the Godfather Three all over again, and always shouting and always gonna. I mean, of course, and Justice for All was great. Mm -hmm. Phenomenal, spectacular. The Godfathers right. parts one through a hundred. Dog Day. I think they ought to fear you. <laughs> right. But when you see that, when you see Senator when he, and that's the one he gets the Oscar for, that goes to show you how screwed up that whole deal is. He makes all these great movies, never gets the award. He makes a piece of crap like the scent of a woman, which is just embarrassing. Although I always wanted to see a blind guy driving a Ferrari through the streets of New York. Wow. 11.13 at 5.60 WQM with the heat of summer here now, and believe you me, it's boiling. Is it raining today or what? Not yet. You know what's going to be here today? 90. And 92 tomorrow. Anyway, now's a great time to get out of the car you've been driving and get into a great new Toyota from Armstrong Toyota of Homestead. You'll find them on US 1, 20 minutes south of the 836, and it's worth going all the way down because they're going to save you so much cash. Thousands and thousands on great new Toyotas. With rising gas prices, maybe you want a car with more fuel economy. Like the legendary Toyota Corolla can be yours for just 11990 or lease it for just 209 a month. Need a great Toyota for that college or high school grad? How about the Toyota Echo, lease priced at just 199 Need a truck? The V6 Toyota Tundra regular cab can be yours for just 239 a month. Looking for the hottest new cars around? Check out the Corolla XRS and Solera convertible now in stock waiting for you at Armstrong Toyota of Homestead. They're locally owned and operated. They'll do just about anything under the sun to make you a happy customer. In fact, their service department is even open late till late weeknights to make sure they get all your service work done for you and on time. Armstrong Toyota of Homestead was the first dealer to offer free tires and batteries for life. And now, even going one step further, they're the first to offer free replacement parts for life. That's right. Tires, batteries, and free parts for life. It is positively unbelievable. So forget about wasting all your gas and time with those big car dealers with their screaming car spots on the radio who gets into their dealership under phony pretenses and always lets you down. See a guy who will never let you down who will make you the deal of a lifetime. David Rich, the GM at Armstrong Toyota of Homestead for an unbeatable deal. Armstrong Toyota of Homestead, they're going to save you a ton on that great new Toyota. They're just 20 minutes south of the 836, and uh, you'll love them. Live, Live and local, we're Sports Radio 560, QAM. Did he chuck it or did he cock it? Flaming. Doing something queer. The gerbil didn't get in there by itself. You should have got the habit on the shelf. Richard Gere and rodents meet. Please stay away from my pickpocket. When your love life is dull, there's no need to suffer. Just head down to the pet shop for another, another lover. Come on and do the Richard Gear. Richard Gear. Richard Gear. Richard Gear. Everyone knows America's a bad love. 
1119 at 560. WQM Mad Dog is back today at 2. The Humper at 4. And then we got the uh, Marlin pregame at 630. Marlin's at the Engine 705. Eddie K follows the baseball game. Richard Gerbil Gear says this faction with a very fine piece of artwork there at the bottom. In fact, this hamster that he's got there probably ought to have its own name. You got Richard Gear on there? Good. Getting it now. Now, here is a fact that I really appreciate from Chip, who says, and didn't I tell you? Yeah. And George gets all the credit, I guess, because you found a picture, right? Right. The beaded curtain today is the best damn picture that's ever been on there. Like I said, it's the best God picture that's ever been on there. Bar none. Good work, guys. And James Dean bites the big one, but not anymore. Yeah, James Dean, I've been telling you that for a long time. I, don't, I didn't see the biggest uh, I never fraction. got it. And all the hype for years I heard about He made about three that. movies. Right. I'll say it again. Rebel Without a Cause, East of Eden, and uh, Giant. Okay? And from what I'm hearing, Giant was uh, quite an exaggeration. But at any rate, he made three movies, and uh, that was it. That was a really weak movie, too, Rebel Without a Cause. With Sal Mineo. Won't yeah, see him no more. No, Sal Mineo. But at any rate, and of course he was in at the Giant with Liz Taylor. Yeah. So what does that tell you right off the bat? I, I just I just don't see it. I don't see any uh, greatness there at all. And yet they've, oh, he would have been the next uh, Elvis Presley or the preset, whatever, you know. I, I just don't get it. Was he that great looking? No. Not really at all, to be honest with you. He was kind of like smarmy looking and uh, very seldom bathed. And uh, the, the the rumor on him was the deal was supposed to anything that moved, you know. And he should have been Cuban, you know. Any, anything that moved, he'd hop on it, <laughs> around it, near it. Here's one that says, can't make up my mind between Will Smith or J-Lo. I like the spelling on J-Lo there. It's kind of cute. Uh, we can put them both on there if you like. Okay. Even though J-Lo, of course, just celebrated her uh, marriage to her latest uh, right, mate, the, mar the marriage du jour. I don't think anyone's ever said that she was a good actress. Mark Antony, or a good singer. She's just got a big right. ass. Right. And Will Smith, of course, I, I like I said, I'm going to change my vote. Please, please. Oh, boy. I don't know what it is either. It's just he just bothers me badly. You know, it's just something about him. Here's one that says worst. And this is from Andrew in Pittsburgh. Arnold Schwarzenegger. Cross yourself again, Arnold, please. Okay, just to be on the safe side. You can never never do too many hail marys or cross yourself enough or rub those beads too often. Here's one that says, could you please add Tom Hanks to the poll? Boy, these I like these. These are great. See that that qualifies. This is from Richard. Thank you, Richard. Thank you, Dick. Here's one that says Van Diesel, uh, Vin Diesel. Okay. Got it. I hate him. Can't stand him. Does anybody like him? No. No. Here's an interesting one, to be honest with you. It says one for the poll, Charlie Chaplin. I can't imagine okay. anyone who's still alive would sit through one of those movies. I don't know. I thought Charlie Chaplin was a great innovator and uh, supposed to be very funny. I agree that I couldn't watch that right now, right. those silent but movies, any of them, not just Charlie Chaplin. A lot of these aren't answering the question, though. Oh, yeah? Who accused Charlie Chaplin of being a great actor? No. Oh, are you kidding me? Are you schmitting me, mister? They said all the things you the just said. The movie kind of swears, uh, man. It, Roger Ebert, if you can get a hold of her ass right now, he, he would tell you that yeah. Charlie Chaplin was one of the great movie, uh, one of the great a pioneers character. that he was spectacular. Great comedian. You're wrong. Yeah, a great comedian. I never heard them say, oh, he's a great well, actor. He was, well, he was a movie actor. There wasn't no TV in those days, mister. Right. I hate to break the nudes to I you. I wasn't saying TV actor. Well, so what was he then? He was, he was a performer. In, in what? I didn't say that he wasn't. I just in never what? Heard in the movies. In the movies. In the silent. Okay. Yeah. Like I said, it fits perfect. The most. Who was the most overrated movie? I mean, at least they're warm. Okay, they're lukewarm. It's not like he said uh, Luke Skywalker or something like that. Here's one from Will who says, "A hey, reality check, please." I was watching evening news and I see these idiots passing by the Gipper's casket and they're saluting. 
Are you kidding me? Reagan had to have been one of the biggest chicken offs going. I mean, here was a man who skipped out on WW2 because of weak eyesight. I did a tour in Nam, and guess what? I wore glasses, geeky, army-issue, plastic, black-framed wonders. Probably looked like William H. Macy. Hell, you mean all I had to do was say I had weak eyesight and I could have kicked back state, uh, stateside and not got my ass shot at? Dang, dang. Says, while Henry Fonda, Jimmy Stewart, even Ted Williams were doing their bit for the war effort, that numbskull Reagan was hanging out in Hollywood doing squat. Talk about disgusting. How in the hell did he get away with it? He had pull, okay? He was pulling it. So there you go, Ronnie Reagan. He won't pull it no more because he's dead as a doornail. He's in that box or not? I still think the coffin's empty. A tisket, a tasket, open up that casket. I bet you, you won't find him in there. Yeah, anybody home? <laughs> well, Nancy's been doing that for ten years now. She's been anybody home now? Oh, that's terrible. That's bad. And I didn't feel any remorse when she laid her head there on a casket. I thought, oh, enough already with that wrinkled up old uh, pimple head bitch. She's a simpleton. Just say. No. And now all of a sudden she's the big hero for uh, stem cell research. A little bit late, don't you think, Nancy? That you're taking on the right wing fascists. A little bit late. Supposedly, than ever. What? Yeah, supposedly she's been uh, at it for years, and we're just starting to hear about it. Really? Yeah, that's what well, we're she must have been just doing it silently, like under her breath. At any rate, Senator Bill Nelson, good guy, kind of like grizzled and uh, mumbled. He's a, he's another unintelligible old, long in the tooth. U.S. Senator Bill Nelson of Florida joined CNN yesterday in a lawsuit challenging a Florida statute that prevents copying a list of names for more than 47,000 potential felons sent to be purged from voter rolls, as once again the right-wingers try to keep you dark folks from voting. Florida's junior senator agrees with some of these 67 election supervisors across the state who are mighty concerned about the accuracy of the list provided by the FDLE. They want to ensure voters are not disenfranchised in the 2004 elections, like so many thousands and thousands were in 2000. You realize that Gore won in a landslide, Florida? He won by thousands. If the public cannot have access, how do we know that they're not purging someone who is not a convicted felon, asked Nelson, who has joining a lawsuit uh, filed last month by CNN to obtain the list, who has uh, something. See, part of this is chopped off. I hate when that happens. The list technically is a public record, but state law allows only certain people in groups such as political parties or candidates to get copies. Anyone else may look at the list but can't copy it. Well, I'm wondering one thing. How come the Kerry campaign, since he's the candidate, how come he can't do it? How come the Democratic Party can't do it? How come CNN and poor Bill Nelson got to be doing it? Good Florida question. is one of seven states that does not allow convicted felons to vote unless their voting rights have been restored. The CNN suit to gain access to the list identified as potential felons was filed last month. The Florida Department of State, of course, is opposed to releasing copies of the list, saying that would violate the privacy of voters who might accidentally be on the list. Well... I think everybody ought to be uh, calling up Governor uh, Jeb Bush and uh, asking asking that one question. If I can find the damn thing, here it is. Where's the list? Yeah. And speaking of that, speaking of Bill Nelson. Where is Nelson? Right, that's in there too. So I just mentioned that in passing. Five six seven oh five sixty pound five sixty on the AT and T and Verizon wireless line. The worst, the most. Uh, see, I want to keep saying that. I want to do that. Right. That's not the poll question. See, I'm the one who don't understand my own question. Who is the most overrated movie actor or actress of all time? Not the worst. We've already done the worst. The best, the right. worst, the most mediocre. Most overrated. John Wayne, 58. The Duke. The Duke is pulling away. 58. Kevin Costner, though, on his ass, 53. I have no problem with that if he wins. James Dean, 52. Keanu Reeves, she's got 49. Marilyn Monroe, 29. Judy Roberts, 22. Elvis, 10. Al Pacino's moving up to four. He's lockstep with Richard Gere. They've got four apiece. Mel Gibson's got four. They should have put Mel right up there on the cross. You know what? 
Rock Hudson, three. Raquel Welch, three. Harrison Ford's got a pair. Gene Hackman, two. And after that, it's the old single digit. 27 past the hour at 560 WQM. If you're starving, man, right now, like, well, it's almost lunchtime. A lot of people eat lunch early, 11, 1130, right? Pizza right. Loft is open and waiting for you and Davey in the Pizza Loft Plaza with tons of free parking right behind Pier 1 Imports. University Drive between Griffith and 595. Pizza Loft has been around for, it seems like, forever. Even in... That's right. There's one and only. And thank goodness there's only one. Well, you know, Jeff, he won't listen to anybody. You know how that is. Unless it's about a hot date. No BS coupons like the other pizza joints because Pizza Loft every Thursday offers a special where you buy any entree and the second one is half price. Every Monday, buy one lasagna. The second one is only five bucks. No coupon necessary. And every Tuesday, like today, when you buy one eggplant dinner, the second one is only five bucks. Again, no coupon needed. They always give you big, gigantic portions. Everything is cooked fresh to order. No soggy pasta at the Pizza Loft ever. No microwave in the store either, and everything is either baked or sautéed. And they've got almost 200 seats waiting for it at the lot, so you never have to wait around for tables on Friday or Saturday like most Broward restaurants. They deliver the same full menu from uh, west of Flamingo, north of Sunrise, south of Pines Boulevard, east of 441. And the prices are so low, you can take the whole family over and over again because, like I said, they give you big, gigantic portions. You will love the pizza lot. Three different kinds of great pizza, the best garlic rolls you've ever popped in your puss, and all your Italian favorites, too. For uh, catering, for a uh, home or office, for uh, private parties, or for delivery, just call this number, 954-916-8880. 954-916-8880. It don't get much better than the world-famous Pizza Loft in Davies. Live and local. This is Sports Radio 560. QAQAM. You drudge packing? History comes to life on the History Channel. The year is 1968. Young men across America are ordered to serve their country in Vietnam. Starting tonight, the History Channel takes a historical and hysterical look back as they reported to the draft board. All right, listen up. When I call your name, step forward to be sworn in. Uh, Richard Cheney. <coughs> Here. Are you ready to serve your country, son? <laughs> Sorry, pal. i got better things to do. Accept this check as a token of my gratitude. Oh. Okay, who's next? Uh, Rush. This is real name. Uh, Limbaugh. <laughs> Rush is the name, but you might know me as Jeff Christie on KUDL. Koodle has oodles of hits. Here's a white boy with a questionable name, B.J. Thomas. <laughs> Are you ready to serve your country, boy? Let me tell you this, my friend. I'm one tough-talking college dropout that cherishes my God-given right to defend it with my mouth. Now, if uh, you'll excuse me... You come back here. No! No! Don't touch me! Now you don't understand. There's a boil on my ass. It's so big. I even named it Peter. And it hurts. Oh, I I have gay tendencies, you know. I am attracted to middle-aged white men. No! No! I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. 11.32. Pop a few more, Rush, you hypocrite, you fat tub of crap. 28 till noon at QAM. Don't forget, join WQM in the Real Yellow Pages from Bell South this afternoon, noon to 1, at A. Aventura Chiropractic Care Center. Oi! At 20475 Biscayne Boulevard, stop by to pick up tickets to an upcoming Marlins game. That's at noon today, and maybe Miguel will give you like an adjustment. Is Miguel going to be there? Who's he sending out for this uh, thing? Miguel. Like I said, go give Miguel an adjustment or a back rub. Cracked showing in GOP's Cuban-American base, speaking of Miguel, who's voting for Kerry, by the way. President Bush's policies toward Fidel Castro's regime and the war in Iraq are threatening to fray traditionally solid Republican ties to Cuban-American voters, the largest segment of Florida's fast-growing Hispanic community. 
In 2000, Bush won Florida by a mere 537 votes, it is so alleged. But his advantage among Cubans was about 4 to 1. Thanks a lot, amigos. Lunatics. Non-Cuban Hispanics tend to vote Democratic and are flocking to the state. Are you hearing that? I heard it. Non-Cuban Hispanics tend to vote Democratic and are flocking to the state. On November 2nd, the key to Florida, the decisive swing of a state four years ago, could well be this disparate Hispanic vote. Florida's population, here's that number again, has grown by more than a million since the last presidential election, a 6.5% increase from 2000 to July 2003 that could transform the state's electorate. From April 2000 to July 2002, nearly half the new residents were Hispanic, according to the most recent numbers from the Census Bureau. South Florida's Cuban-American community of about 600,000 is divided over the Bush administration's policies, with some hardline exiles complaining that Bush has failed to take a tougher stance against Castro. A younger generation of Cubans who were born in the U.S. or raised here most of their lives are likely to support engagement with Cuba. They're not knee-jerk Republicans like their parents. Bush's problems echo within the walls of Versailles Restaurant, a bastion of Cuban exiles in the heart of Miami's Little Havana neighborhood. The war in Iraq is no good, says Emilio J. Faroy, sipping a high-octane cup of Cuban <coughs> coffee. Each election finds this lifelong Republican more open to Democrats. Most Cubans have always been Republican by nature. I followed my mother's lead, the 56-year-old bail bondsman be saying, but when you get older and see how things really are, you think differently. Thank the Lord. Thank God. Oh, God! Indeed. The restaurant's older patrons, and there are plenty of them, are firmly behind Mr. Bush. Men such as Aaron Ido, 68, who stops on the way to his car to praise Bush. I like everything he does, even Iraq, the retiree said. Muy bueno. Many Cuban-Americans abandoned the Democratic Party some 40 years ago, blaming President Kennedy for the debacle of the U.S. back pay of pigs invasion in 61. The strong feelings remain, bolstered by President Reagan's anti-communist views and Republicans' tough-on-Castro message. And Jeb Bush, the president's brother, made converting Cubans his cause in the mid-1980s before he became governor of Florida. The community is expected to vote Republican again November 2nd, but if enough switch to Bush's Democratic rival, John Kerry, or decide to stay home on Election Day, the president will have to make up those votes elsewhere in the growing state of more than 17 million teeming with people. Teeming 17 million people in Florida. And how many of them speak English? About 30, man. Boy. Oh, did you see the thing about the uh, jet that had to go back to the airport? No. Where? A Spirit Airlines jetliner bound for Atlantic City with 131 people aboard relanded at Fort Lauderdale International Airport yesterday afternoon after the airline received a bomb threat. Oh, my God. 126 passengers and five crew members exited Flight 262. No injuries reported. The plane in MD-80 was taken to a remote area at Fort Lauderdale Hollywood International Airport. Baggage was unloaded, searched, and then uh, the plane. Nothing. zippity doo Just another one of those deals. Just somebody looking to create a little fun, you know. Somebody bored. Summertime blues. Five six seven oh five sixty pound five sixty on the AT and T and Verizon. I can't wait. I'm going to save it for like maybe noon. Let's see. I got one, two, three, four, four. Ah, five. <laughs> oh, five very nice, uh, very accurate stories about the legacy of Ronald Reagan, which I think will be uh, contrast somewhat. The fawning, the uh, sycophantic crap that's going on right now, it's just enough to make you gag, okay? I mean, ordinarily, you don't want to knock a guy when he croaks, but first of all, he's 93 years old, and secondly, somebody has to counterbalance the propaganda, the twisting of uh, the hagiography, as that story said yesterday, and that is how you pronounce it, by the way. Hagiography is number two. I even looked it up. Really? Yeah. How do you like that? And then, of course, if you're talking about Liz Taylor, it's the fag hagiography. That gives a dog's eye view. Oh, look, look at that. Ted Kennedy may make a, a children. He's going to write a children's book. 
It's going to be called Don't Drive Off the Bridge. Who is the most overrated movie actor or actress of all time? John Wayne, 61. Kevin Costner, 57. James Dean, 54. Keanu Reeves, 53. We got a hoss race, baby. Marilyn Monroe's got... About 30, man. Julia Roberts, 24. Elvis, 11. Everybody else, single digit. WQAM, hello. Neil. Yes, sir. I got one for the poll. All right. How about Keanu Reeves? He's uh, doing pretty good. He's got 53 votes. He's in fourth place. Oh, how about Paul Walker? Paul Walker is a bad actor? No, I think he's horrible. You're right, he is. Okay, thanks. <laughs> yeah, if he didn't look like that, he wouldn't have any uh, rules, right? Paul Walker? Yeah. Does you know who Paul Walker is? No, I'm afraid I don't. Well, you, you, it's not up your alley. Paul Walker, get him on there, okay? He's terrible. Who is the most overrated movie actor or actress of all time? WQAM, hello? Yes, uh, I just want to ask uh, what the uh, purpose of naming, naming the Florida Turnpike after Ronald Reagan what is the purpose of it? Yes. It's called sucking up to the right wing. Is <laughs> well, that what, relationship, what relationship does he have to Florida? I always well, well, wait that. a minute, wait a minute. But he was governor of California. Oh, I get it. I get See? it. Florida, California. Wait till they rename I-95 the Schwarzenegger Freeway. <laughs> have a great day, Pally. Thanks. Excellent question. Yeah, that, that's. I, I always wondered that. Why is it the Ronald Ray? That would be like, I mean, in New York, they got the Thomas E. Dewey Thruway. He was the governor of New York, right? Yeah. Right. Funny little mustache, kind of like Hitler. But, uh, I mean, but why Ronald Reagan Turnpike? And if anybody right. would have questioned that, oh, my God, what's wrong with you, you uh, commie pinko bastard, you? You're disrespectful. I mean, it makes no sense. It ought to be the Lawton Childs. There you go, the walking Lawton Childs, the heat cooling right. through way. Now we're talking, man. If you the don't like cooling. walking, take a ride on the Lawton. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. Don't we have a, uh, we have a something... We have something. Huh? Huge? What is, I don't even know what that's under there. I don't know where it is. Child. It's not, worth, it's not worth it, to be honest with you. 21 till noon at 560. QM, the Mad Dog at 2. Live, live, and local. Oh, right. This is Sports Radio 560. QAQAM. Iraqis, this is your liberator, George W. Bush. Hey, if you thought it used to be a great place before we turned it into a smoking hole, wait till you experience the all-new amusement park just rebuilt by America's military. Just a few hundred miles from downtown Baghdad, a place y'all used to call Tuck or something like that, is the funnest place in Iraq as soon as Abu Ghraib prison's gone. Welcome to Bush Gardens, Baghdad. Ride the bomber cars. Surrender to the privates of the Caribbean. Ride the world's scariest roller coaster, the second Terminator. It'll scare the Shiite right out of you. Climb on top of Naked Prisoner Mountain. Explore the depths of Saddam's Spider Hole. And all within a stone's throw from your room in the fabulous Halliburton Hotel. Just do like me. Take the 9-11 connector till you run into a dead end. Then exit as quick as you can. And you're there at Bush Gardens Backpack. It's a blast. 16 till noon at 560. They're showing the clips again. Nancy Reagan with Michael J. Fox. I don't know how long ago that was. And guess who else was there? Uh -huh. Yeah, the Kingmeister, mm -hmm. Mr. Suspenders. And uh, doing the thing about uh, stem cell research and about research on Alzheimer's and uh, all these other diseases. Uh, a lot of us, like those of us with type 2 diabetes and type 1 diabetes, which is really much more serious, uh, we could be uh, without that. We could go out and get a nice pizza and not have to worry about it. Yeah. Uh, but... People like, uh, huh? 
Reassure Reassure yourself. All these other people are like uh, all uh, crippled up and things like that. Stem cell research could uh, bring the cure for a lot of these things. But, of course, that compassionate conservative. Abu Gar- Oh, God forbid, because he takes directions from the born-agains. And, and even from the Pope, I guess, probably told him a thing or right. two. Well, as you're dying from diabetes, just console yeah. yourself with the knowledge that you won't be going to hell because your cure it wasn't based on stem cell research. Oh, I see. That's a good point. Mm-hmm. I'll be going to hell for different reasons, though. Gay. Let's see, Meryl Streep. Well, I uh, yeah, I can see I, that. I, I, I applaud that. She annoys me, Meryl Streep, very uh, seriously when I mentioned it. So we're getting some invisible faxes, faxes where you can't make out anything that uh, is on there, and the frustrated person keeps refaxing and refaxing. Yeah. Like the more they fax, the more visible it's going to get, which it's not. Well, I don't understand what that means. In other words, so in other words, they think that practice makes perfect. Is I, that? I, it? I guess. In other words, it's so faint it's written in invisible ink you can't make out faint. anything. It looks like dirty paper. I feel like fainting because of Norm Kent's uh, email here. It's so touching and so emotional. You won't believe this. You're not supposed but to you, you won't care because you're just uh, one, another one of those anti-sports people and certainly an anti-hockey person. I, well, I, I just don't understand how the Florida Panther organization, how it can even exist. You know, we had, that, we had the phony baloney thing. We had that one year when a team got hot at the right time. It wasn't really that great of a team, but they got hot just at the right time. Kind of like what Calgary did this year. And uh, and that was it. Other than that, uh, nobody really cares. It's just tragic. It's pathetic. And uh, this series wasn't really very good, but the fact that it went to seven games and that Tampa pulled out game six in overtime and that we had uh, a desperate game last night, that's what created the excitement. Believe me, because I know you won't, but uh, it was. Anyway, Norma says, I've been going to sporting events for over 35 years as an adult. Oh, I never knew he reached that point of being an adult. And I don't think I ever experienced the energy or excitement I witnessed in the St. Pete Times Forum last night for the seventh game of the Stanley Cup. You saw what was coming in the pregame warm-ups when the Lightning ran fast skating drills while the Flames cavalierly batted the puck back and forth to the astounding power play at the start of the second period where the Flames tried six times to get a puck across the blue line and could not. And the last ten minutes, which was like a boxing match on the ice, what a game. Thank you, Neil, for turning me into hockey years ago. Signed, Norma. Lord Stanley needed a tan. out there in Tampa last night. Anyway, that's it. Yeah, Geldy's upset because, uh, you know, it was them. Well, well, why should he care? He should wait for the Panthers to win when he's calling the games. He'll be the uh, lucky charm, don't you think? Of course. Wouldn't you think, when you think of lucky charm, don't you think like a little twerp? Ow! 5670560, pound 560. It's a goal, it's a goal. I can't wait for this. WQM, hello. Oh, hey, Neil. Yes, sir. Hey, how you doing? Great. Um, I, I have one for you, Paul. Okay. I don't mean to be insensitive, but how about Ronald Reagan? Yeah, somebody suggested that before, but again, overrated. Nobody ever considered him to be a good actor, much less a great actor. So yeah, I think, uh, you know. Okay, and my other thing was, as far as the future, Paul? Yeah. Um, about which, which uh, presidential or gover- governmental scandal was your favorite? <laughs> and you can do, you know, Bill Clinton 
and Monica and yeah, the Penis Gate, yeah. mm-hmm. and Weapons of Mass Destruction. Right. I think it's a good one. Okay, thanks. All right, thank you. Have a great day, Pally. That's not bad. Which scandal was your favorite? Which one did you enjoy the most? Well, I'm sure that Penis Gate would be at the top of that. Sure, Blue Gate, Stain Gate, whatever you want to call it. Monica Gate, Kenny Stargate. I'm going to get your boy. I mean, you, you, know, the, you come right out there, you tell the public the truth, and it's just, you know, they, they, I don't, where there's no sense, there's no feeling. I guess that right. describes it best. Here, Kenny Starr runs into uh, bald-headed James Carville at the airport in Atlanta in the early days, well, in the middle of that whole uh, Monica Gate thing, and he says to him, I'm going to get your boy. And it's like, uh, oh, no, he didn't have any vendetta, Kenny Starr. He was a very upstanding uh, guy. Go- uh, right. There was nothing political about it. WQAM, hello. How about Marlon Brando? Don't like Marlon? Yeah. Come on, the guy goes from the Godfather to Superman? Please. <laughs> and don't forget that silly movie with, uh, what's his name? What was the silly movie with the lizard where he was doing the Godfather the, voice again? The Freshman? The Freshman. That was a cute movie with what's his name? Uh, i got a brain fart on him now. I don't know. Matthew Broderick. There it is. Yeah, the freshman. It was it was silly. It was a very it was silly, silly movie. It was, uh, but it gave him a chance. He gave him a chance to put the cotton in his cheek again, you know, and to reprise that the voice. It was it was fun. You know, hey, some movies don't have to be like serious. He did a good it was job in Superman. Did he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, he didn't really have a major role no, in Superman. It didn't, but he didn't made the best of it. There you go. But we'll put him on there, Marlon Brando, because a lot of people don't like big fat guys. Let's see. Here's one that says. Now, now, see, Frank Sinatra really sucked, my mother-in-law says, Val Kilmer, says Devon, Devon. Uh, Frank Sinatra really sucked. Well, I would say this, I didn't like his singing, but I think in Manchurian Candidate his acting was great. Which they're remaking Manchurian Candidate, is that out yet or is it this weekend? No, it's not out yet. This weekend, I believe. Um, he was great in that movie, did you see it? Yeah, well, he was great. Yeah. And, by the way, I didn't want to like the movie or him. Because I couldn't stand him. Oh yeah, I hated him. And I had to apologize to uh, to myself for uh, resisting. Now I would say this, uh, in uh, From Here to Eternity, which is the role he got because uh, somebody made him as uh, manager yeah. and offer couldn't refuse. I heard that story. I don't care how many Dago, Guinea, what greaseball goombas come out of the woodwork. That was another story. But I think he actually was a pretty good actor. But Frank Sinatra put him on there just because we don't like him anyway. And Val Kilmer, which I would agree with that. Speaking of Batman. I don't. I don't see what the deal with Val Kilmer is. And, and have you ever seen him and Jim Morrison together? I, I don't. How could he possibly play Jim Morrison? They paid him to. Oh, well. Did you think he was good in the Doors movie? Eh, it was a little melodramatic. The whole thing. Pretty, pretty weak. Five six seven oh five sixty. Jim Morrison's still alive, by the way. He eats lunch every day at Schloimi's. We'll give you directions later how to get there. John Wayne, 66, Kevin Costner, 63, the most overrated movie actor-actress of all time. And I don't think we really have done this ever before, which is shocking. I mean, if we can come up with a new poll we've never done before out of the 80 million polls, that's a major accomplishment. How the hell do I do it? How the hell do I do it? Now, what inspired me for this? Actually, maybe it was all the Reagan business that inspired me, and then I started thinking about John Wayne, because it's hard to think about old Ronnie without thinking about John Wayne, the Duke. And Chuck Heston. WQAM, hello. Yeah, how about uh, Dennis Hopper? Has he been put on the list? We'll put him on there for you. We don't agree, but we'll put him on there. Do you agree? No. No, I don't. I like Dennis Not Hopper at all. a lot. But, well, we'll put him on there. This guy, we, it's not like we're going to uh, nix your choice, whatever right. you say. No, it's whatever. your opinion. Everybody that goes into one of those movies, there are people who love them and think they're great, and then there are people who think, oh, my God, so-and-so sucks. They absolutely suck. 
You've seen some of those movies. Right. Once upon a time, we had Dennis Hopper drops that we could play. Well, we don't. Heineken! I, I, I That's as far as we can I go. still don't understand where that, uh... I just, I don't think I have it. The Walking Lawton one. It's under Childs. And you oh, well, see, that that's the problem. When you do that, it's like... It is so huge. Yeah. I was put in there 100 years ago. Who put it in there? I don't know. Probably me. Yeah. From a car it is so huge. Yeah. He's talking about the turnpike. It's... It is so huge. Yeah. So let's have the Lawton Charles turnpike. That was a very excellent question. It's, it's like, how come we have Arthur Godfrey Road on Miami Beach when Arthur Godfrey was one of the biggest anti-Semites who ever came down the pike, down the uh, Ronald Reagan turnpike? Rhymes with... WQAM, hello. Yes, Fort Lauderdale. Yes, sir. How you doing? Good. How are you? Good. Let's go to Fort Lauderdale. Hello. Yes, uh, I got one for your poll. Yeah. Uh, Brad Pitt. Brad Pitt couldn't act his way out of a paper sack except once in a great while. Right. He's all looks, right? Thanks. The, the, uh, the other issue I brought up, too, you mentioned Ronald Reagan Highway, or Ronald Reagan Turnpike. I'm right. From Cincinnati, and they also have a Ronald Reagan uh, causeway up there. Because how do you like that? Yeah, because he's basically, obviously, very Republican there. And uh, he's got General Electric, which is obviously the big war machine, you know, all the engines behind all the planes and everything. So um, there's a tie-in with all that Republican connection there. Amen. Thanks a lot, Pally. All right, no problem. Well, we don't have GE in Florida, do we? No. No, do we have anything at all that relates to Ronnie Reagan, except we have plenty of right-wingers, but... Uh, no. No, not really. It makes no sense at all. Let's Let's... Conduct a campaign to get his name off of that thing. <laughs> that should be pretty easy now that he died, right? No. No. Should have done it ahead of time. If you had told me he was going to die, I would have worked on that before. We could have had a big campaign. Yeah, we but... could have got Chuck Meyer to uh, have people put the uh, big X through the quarters. You know? but, but nobody saw it coming. No, they just sneaked it in there. We woke up one day, and all of a sudden it was no longer the Florida Turnpike. It was the Ronald Reagan Turnpike. Just like we have the Miriam Alonzo Highway, and we have the Dave Dixon Freeway, and we've got the uh, Chiquita Banana Expressway. I, I, I just don't get it. I mean, the Dan Marino Drive thing, uh, I, I don't know. I'm not that crazy about doing it while somebody's still alive either. Are you? No, right. What if they turn out to, like, murder 500 people or something later on? How about the, the Shula Expressway? That's had that name for years. Sure. Now, which one is the Shula? Is that the 836? No. It's that, it's that, one, over, it's that, one, that one over there. No, it's seriously, which one? 836. Is, is 836 the Shula? I never even knew that. Although we call it Chula down here. The Chula Expressway. Si. Chula, Chula. 567, oh, the, how come we can't just call it the uh, Brainstem Highway? No, not until they legalize it. And if that sounds insensitive, we'll just use the initials, just the BS Highway, which most of them in Florida are. WQAM, hello. Hi, I have a, a name for the poll. Okay. What you got? Oh, Michael Douglas. Michael Douglas, I certainly concur heartily. And also Vanessa Redgrave. Okay, thanks. You're welcome. Bye. That sounds like two names, but that's okay because she was very nice and our only lady of the day. Ladies won't uh, play the game with a screenless. Plus, how many ladies we got listening? About 30, man. And that's about it. Well, we do the best we can. Vanessa Redgrave. Now, see, I get confused. Which one is the uh, virulent... Uh, Lesbian? The virulent dyke? I don't know. <laughs> is it Lynn? Is it Vanessa? And quite frankly, who the hell cares? I think Vanessa's local. Oh. local. This, this is 560. The radio is all yours. QAM. This is Dick Cheney. I like to relax by having Mary Magdalene massage my balls while listening to the Neil Rogers 12 to 1 hour. Abu Garib. Abu Gravy, ain't the place to be. 
prison living ain't the life for me. Photographs of you were sent worldwide. You might end up in one of those naked piles. And a little hands on the big hand here at 560 WQAM. Here's the first of about 100 stories about Ronald Reagan. This is by David Korn. This is a rewrite from uh, something he wrote in 1998. It's very short and to the point. 66 things to think about when flying into Reagan National Airport. The firing of the air traffic controllers, winnable nuclear war, recallable nuclear missiles, trees that cause pollution, Elliot Abrams lying to Congress, ketchup as a vegetable, colluding with Guatemalan thugs, Pardons for FBI lawbreakers, voodoo economics, budget deficits, toast to Ferdinand Marcos, public housing cutbacks, uh, red-baiting the uh, nuclear freeze movement, James Watt, getting cozy with Argentine fascist generals, tax credits for segregated schools, disinformation campaigns, homeless by choice, Manuel Noriega, falling wages, the the HUD scandal, air raids on Libya, constructive engagement with apartheid South Africa, United States Information Agency blacklist of liberal speakers, attacks on OSHA and workplace safety, the invasion of Grenada, assassination manuals, Nancy's astrologer. Drug test, lie detector test, Fawn Hall, female appointees, 8%, mining harbors, the SNL scandal, 239 dead U.S. troops in Beirut, Al Haig in control, silence on AIDS, food stamp reductions, debate gate. White House shredding, Jonas Savimbi, tax cuts for the rich, mistakes were made, Michael Deaver's conviction for influence peddling, Lynn Nobsicker's conviction <coughs> for influence peddling. Casper Weinberger's five-count indictment. Ed Meese, you don't have many suspects who are innocent of crime. Donald Regan, men, women don't, un- uh, don't understand throwweights. Education cuts, massacres in El Salvador. The bombing begins in five minutes. $640 Pentagon toilet seats. African-American judicial appointees, 1.9%. Reader's Digest, CIA-sponsored car bombing in Lebanon, more than 80 civilians killed. 200 officials accused of wrongdoing. William Casey, Iran-Contra. Facts are stupid things. Three by five cards, the MX missile, Bitburg, SDI, Robert Bork, Naps, and Teflon. <laughs> oh, what a good job. I guess that sums it all up, right? Yeah, no, read it again. Oh, you're tore it up. I got too many others to uh, work good. on. Too many other There's fish to Oh, Jesus. Here's a fax that says everyone says, well, he's no Olivier. Well, what about him? That pompous Shakespearean piece of human excrement, Sir Lawrence Olivier. Now, let's see, who was he consorting with? Was it Danny Kay, who was uh, hanging out with Sir Lawrence Olivier? Rhymes. Rhymes with... with... You're gay. Right. That was the uh, popular rumor. I believe it was Danny Kay and <laughs> Olivier, and both were. Anyway, here's a fax that says, you got it on there, Josh, Sir Lawrence he, Olivier? He's it. I got it. He's, he's getting to it. He's getting, hopping on it. Sorry, guys, my vote, Steven Seagal. <laughs> I hate him like that. Yeah. But I don't think anybody ever accused him of being an actor, good or otherwise. Well, he's uh, in movies. Yeah. He appears. He's a martial Paul artist. Paul Walker is the actor from Fast and the Furious. Yeah, well, I know Paul Walker. You don't. Right. Josh uh, informed me. Yeah. Really he looks great. fine. And I let's see. I'm not afraid to, frustrated. Just an everyday listener writes, uh, I, I don't know what that means. Do I know who this is? Who what? 
I don't know who this is, and I don't really care. It's fine. We're not. Don't be defensive. We're not putting you on the defensive, okay? Everybody's in a fine mood. Lightning won the Stanley Cup. Oh! That's not the like. Dave Andrichuk, 22 years of toiling in the NHL, including several fine years here in Toronto with the Leafs. Good man, Dave Andrichuk. 22 years toiling in the National Hockey League and finally gets to drink out of the cup. And the Stanley Cup, too. Let's see. Except for train spotting, you and McGregor. Oh, yeah, train spotting. I better go out spot that later. In fact, I better throw it out the window. Allen in the Keys, one of our regular chronics, says Eli Wallach. How could you say that after Godfather 3? <laughs> Loudly. Let's see. Now, here's another one from Capitol Hill Blue. What a great website. Too bad our link is not there yet for that. It I'll just be. set you the first page, even though I got all five pages. Oh. Well, what is this one about? How Big Brother is watching, listening, and misusing information about you. Also by uh, Teresa Hampton and Doug Thompson, who wrote the other that other piece. Well, I'll, I'll stick that on the bottom, and if it's worthwhile, we'll eventually get to it. Or maybe tomorrow. There's always another tomorrow, you know? Well... Well, not always. Right. We don't know that for a fact. This one is written by William Rivers Pitt, which I love, William Rivers Pitt, and it's headlined, Planet Reagan. He says, Ronald Reagan is dead now, and everyone's being nice to him. In every aspect, this is appropriate. He was a husband and a father, a beloved member of a family, and he'll be missed by those he was close to. His death was long, slow, and agonizing because of the Alzheimer's disease which ruined him, one drop of lucidity at a time. My grandmother died ten years ago, almost to the day, because of this disease, and this disease took ten years to do its dirty, filthy, wretched work on her. The dignity and candor of Reagan's farewell letter to the American people was as magnificent a departure from public life as any that's been seen in our history, but the ugly truth of his illness was that he lived on and on and on. His family and friends watched as he faded from the world of the real, as the simple dignity afforded to all life collapsed like loose sand behind his more, uh, ever more vacant eyes. Only those who have seen Alzheimer's disease invade a mind can know the truth of this. It's a cursed way to die. In this morning space, however, there must be room made for the truth. Writer Edward Abbey once said, The sneakiest form of literary subtlety in a corrupt society is to speak the plain truth. The critics will not understand you. The public will not believe you. Your fellow writers will shake their heads. The truth is straightforward. Virtually every significant problem facing the American people today can be traced back to the policies and people that came from the Reagan administration. It is a laundry list of ills, woes, and disasters that has all of us once again staring apocalypse in the eye. How can this be? The television says Ronald Reagan was one of the most beloved presidents of the 20th century. He won two national elections, the second by margin so overwhelming that all future landslides will be judged by the high watermark he achieved against Walter Mondale. How can a man so universally respected have played a hand in the evils which corrupt our days? The answer lies in the reality of our, the corrupt society Abby spoke of, our corruption is the absolute triumph of image over reality, of flash over substance, of the pervasive need within most Americans to believe in a happy-faced version of the nation they call home, and to spurn the reality of our estate as unpatriotic. Ronald Reagan was and always will be the undisputed heavyweight champion of salesmen in this regard. Reagan was able, by virtue of his towering talents in this arena, to sell to the American people a flood of poisonous policies. He made Americans feel good about acting against their own best interests. He sold the American people a lemon, and they drive it to this day as if it was a Cadillac. It isn't the lies that kill us, but the myths, and Ronald Reagan was the greatest myth-maker we're ever likely to see. Mainstream media journalism today is a shameful joke because of Reagan's deregulation policy. Once upon a time, the Fairness Doctrine ensured that the information we receive, information vital to the ability of people to govern in the manner intended, came from a wide variety of sources and perspectives. Reagan's policies annihilated the Fairness Doctrine, opening the door for a few megacorporations to gather journalism out of themselves. Today, Reagan's old bosses at General Electric own three of the most-watched news channels. 
This company profits from every war we fight, but somehow is trusted to tell the truths of war. Thus, the myths are sold to us. The deregulation policy of Ronald Reagan didn't just deliver journalism to these massive corporations, but handed virtually every facet of our lives into the hands of this privileged few. The air we breathe, the water we drink, the food we eat are all tainted because Reagan battered down every environmental regulation he came across so corporations could improve their bottom line. Our leaders are wholly owned subsidiaries of the corporations that were all made all-powerful by Reagan's deregulation craze. The savings and loan scandal of Reagan's time, which cost the American people hundreds of billions of dollars, is but one example of Reagan's decision that the foxes would be fine guards in the hen house. Ronald Reagan believed in small government despite the fact that he grew government massively during his time. Social programs which protected the weakest of our citizens were gutted by Reagan's policies, delivering millions into despair. Reagan was able to do this by caricaturing the welfare queen who punched out babies by the barn load, who drove the flashy car bought with your tax dollars, who refused to work because she didn't have to. This was a vicious, racist lie, one result of which was the decimation of a generation by crack cocaine. The urban poor were left to rot because Ronald Reagan believed in self-sufficiency. Because Ronald Reagan could not be bothered to fund research into gay cancer, the AIDS virus was allowed to carve out a comfortable home in America. The aftershocks from this callous disregard for people whose homosexuality was deemed evil by religious conservatives cannot be overstated. Beyond the graves of those who died from a disease which was allowed to burn unchecked, there are generations of Americans today living with the subconscious idea that sex equals death. The veneer and honor and respect painted across the legacy of Ronald Reagan is itself a myth of biblical proportions. The coverage proffered today of the Reagan legacy seldom mentions impropriety until the Iran-Contra scandal appears on the administration timeline. This set of omission is vast. By the end of his term in office, some 138 Reagan administration officials had been convicted, indicted, or investigated for misconduct and or criminal activities. Some of the names in this disgraceful roll call, Oliver North, John Poindexter, Richard Secord, Casper Weinberger, Elliot Abrams, Robert C. McFarlane, Michael Deaver, E. Bob Wallach, James Watt, Alan D. Fears, Claire George, Dwayne R. Claridge, Anne Buford, Rita Lavelle, Richard Allen, Richard Beggs, Guy Flake, Louis Glutfrieda, Edwin Gray, Max Hugo, Carlos Campbell, John Fetters, Arthur Hayes, Jane uh, L. Lynn Helms, Marjorie Mecklenburg, Robert Nimmo, J. William Petro, Thomas C. Reed, Emmanuel Savage, Charles Wick. Many of these names are lost to history, but more than a few of them are still with us today, rehabilitated by the administration of George W. Bush. Ronald Reagan actively supported the regimes of the worst people ever to walk on the earth, names like Marcos, Duarte, Rios Montt, and Duvalier, reek of blood and corruption, yet were embraced by the Reagan administration with passionate intensity. The ground of many nations is salted with the bones of those murdered by brutal rulers who called Reagan a friend. Who can forget his support of those in South Africa who believed apartheid was the proper way to run a civilized society? One dictator in particular looms large across our landscape. Saddam Hussein was a creation of Ronald Reagan. The Reagan administration supported the Hussein regime despite his incredible record of atrocity. The Reagan administration gave Hussein intelligence information which helped the Iraqi military use their chemical weapons on the battlefield against Iran to great effect. The deadly bacterial agents sent to Iraq during the Reagan administration are a laundry list of horrors. The Reagan administration sent an emissary named Donald Rumsfeld to Iraq to shake Saddam Hussein's hand and assure him that, despite public American condemnation and the use of those chemical weapons, the Reagan administration still considered him a welcome friend and ally. That happened while the Reagan administration was selling weapons to Iran, a nation notorious for its support of international terrorism, in secret and in violation of scores of laws. Another name on Ronald Reagan's rule call is that of Osama bin Laden. The Reagan administration believed it a bully idea to organize an army of Islamic fundamentalists in Afghanistan to fight the Soviet Union, and bin Laden became the spiritual leader of this action. Throughout the entirety of Reagan's term, bin Laden and his people were armed, funded, and trained by the U.S., 
Reagan helped teach Osama bin Laden the lessons he lives by today, that it's possible to bring a superpower to its knees. Bin Laden believes this because he's done it once before, thanks to the, the dedicated help of Ronald Reagan. In 1998, two American embassies in Africa were blasted into rubble by Osama bin Laden, who used the Semtex sent to Afghanistan by the Reagan administration to do the job. In 2001, Osama bin Laden thrust a dagger into the heart of the U.S. using men who became skilled at the art of terrorism with the help of Ronald Reagan. Today, there are 827 American soldiers and over 10,000 civilians who have died in the invasion and occupation of Iraq, a war that came uh, to be because Reagan helped manufacture both Saddam Hussein and Osama bin Laden. How much of this can be truthfully laid at the feet of Ronald Reagan? It depends on who you ask. Those who worship Reagan see him as the man in charge, the man who defeated Soviet communism, the man whose vision and charisma made Americans feel good about themselves after Vietnam and the malaise of the 1970s. Those who despise Reagan see him as nothing more than a pitchman for corporate raiders, the man who allowed greed to become a virtue, the man who smiled vapidly while allowing his officials to run the government for him. In the final analysis, however, the legacy of Ronald Reagan, whether he had an active hand in a formulation or was merely along for the ride, is beyond dispute. His famous question, are you better off now than you were four years ago, is easy to answer. We are not better off now than we were four years ago, or eight years ago, or 12 or 20. We are a badly damaged state, ruled today by a man who subsists off Reagan's most corrosive final gift to us all. It's the image that matters, and be damned to the truth. Pretty good stuff. It's on our website by William wow, Rivers great. Pitt, Planet Reagan. More. As opposed to all of this swill, all of this crap that the corporate media are peddling down your throat about the great Ronald Reagan, the great communicator, and all this other bull crap. But at any rate, you believe whatever you want. In fact, you can turn over to Rush right now. He's probably still eulogizing. Twelve minutes past noon at 560 WQM. Is your company suffering from regulations and increased labor costs? Well, let Oasis Outsourcing help you when it comes to the people side of your business. Payroll Administration, Fortune 500 Company Employee Benefits, Human Resource Services, and Risk Management are just a few of the services that Oasis Outsourcing can cover to help your business be more profitable. Call Oasis Outsourcing today for a free evaluation at 1-866-OASIS. That's 1-866-286-2747. With more than 60,000 employees worldwide, Oasis Outsourcing understands the many facets of human resource management. Outsourcing is being recognized by firms large and small as a powerful management choice, which lets you focus on your core business while you leave the operational details to Oasis Outsourcing. Let Oasis Outsourcing make your business more profitable. If you want a free evaluation, call them toll-free, 1-866-AT-OASIS. That's 1-866-286-2747 for Oasis Outsourcing. We're Sports Radio 560, QAM. Hot cars are coming to take you away. They are dispatched by the Uber bikes to get to centers around. Cars are coming to take you away. Hot cars are coming to take you away. 
1218 at 560. WQM, Jim Anderson, to the Humper at 4, and then we got Marlins baseball. Marlins at Cleveland. I don't want to read all these anti-Reagan things in one hour, do I? Yes. Yes. Well, let's give you the rundown on the poll so far, because I don't want to do all that reading today, do I? Yes. Here's Jerry Brown is on there. You know, vulgar details of government seem quite marginal and trivial in that context that he created. While he was governor, and he whatever that means, I guess Jerry Brown's kissing his ass too. You just don't, you just don't dare dash and say, even though Jerry Brown, of course, the ultra liberal former governor of California, mayor of Oakland, California, right now, and rumored to be Bahaming. But nevertheless, I mean, there have been a few people like kind of like dancing around the edges with a few little uh, negatory comments. But you just don't say these things right now because that's disrespectful. Okay, so you got to lie like crazy. You just got to bite your tongue until it bleeds and still until it starts gushing blood. What are all these faxes? My God. Oh, they're all great. Here's one that says, uh, the most overrated actor of all time, Michael Caine, says Dennis in Hollywood. Okay, Michael Caine. I like Michael Caine, but this guy don't, and he's entitled. He's the, the most employed actor possibly. He gets a lot of work, I'll tell you that. But at any rate, so does, uh, so do a lot of people. Here's one that says, I get to listen sporadically during the day, so I'm not sure if you knew that, uh, your line, uh, with yeah, we heard what? reports of that yesterday. The EAS, which is now, uh, you know, we don't hear it because it's uh, automatized. Well, that, that's in the middle of a laser recharge's spot? Apparently. Well, that's nice. How come nobody told me about that? It goes off at random. The EANS sounder, in other words, the emergency uh, automatic Emer- uh, yeah. Nazi uh, siren? The ASS sound. The EAS? It's not the first, there even six times this has happened during your program. It says, what happened to this is a test, this is only a test. I don't know because I've never heard it. I don't hear that. We, we don't hear it. It happens uh, beyond us. Oh, I see. It says you still must run the damn thing, so why piss off the client and have to schedule a make good? Schedule a make good? Oh, brother. <laughs> what a sense of humor you got, huh? They, this person's got They just don't understand the QMF and way, man. Look at the draw. Schedule drawer. a make good just because the spot didn't completely get on there? Man, you don't know Greg Reed, mister, and screw Ann Winnick. Let's see. We got a place where I can do that spot today or not? I'll, get, I'll give them a make good myself. Let's see. Uh, no. Well, we could if you right now. We'll do it tomorrow. Don't let me forget. Okay. All right. Then. No, I'm, I'm serious. We'll do it, and we'll put it on the log and make it good, because if it got interrupted, I mean, our friend, uh, just Bob, over there at A-Laser Recharge, he's paying for the spot, not for part of a spot. I mean, you know, what what is wrong with this place? Don't you people have any... Uh... No. Oh, I'm sorry. Let's see. It says, since you can no pl- longer play about 30, about 30 man. of the stuff in the DCS, keep young Josh busy marking down some of the better potential drops in the callers. Uh, had a pretty good laugh about 10.50, not to be confused with 10.50 Chum in Toronto, 10.50 this morning. Or 10.50 WMGM New York, now W, uh, what is it now? WHN. Thanks again for giving George a break. As you well know, doing talk radio is extremely difficult to do smoothly. Some people never get it. Uh, Joey Reynolds, uh, uh, Schnitthead. Don and Mike, Lex and Terry, it goes on and on and on. The list is very long of people who just... Uh... Don and Mike, uh, blow! Right. Charlton Heston, that's an excellent one. I mentioned that before, but I want to put a second one on myself. You son of a bitch. Yeah. Always the same crap. Always Hercules, always a Moses. Oh, yeah, holy Moses, enough with you already. Oh, by the way, he's got Alzheimer's. I just mentioned that in passing. So when he croaks, do we also have to? Oh, but he was in the Bible and he oh, played you Moses. Oh, you ain't seen he... nothing. You yeah. Think, if you think this is something. Oh yeah. See, because Reagan, I mean, he was uh, just kind of like a step, or maybe a step and a half beneath the Duke. 
But right. Chuck Heston, he was right up there alongside. He being was the macho, gun-toting, <laughs> macho man. If he saw Macho, how come he went uh, shuffling away from um, a big fat guy like Michael Moore there, huh? He ought to have been embarrassed picking on an old man like that. Yeah, right. I Holy loved it. Nice going, Michael Moore. You go, boy. <laughs> Don't forget, we got the link to uh, Fahrenheit 9-11, the trailer. Right. Check it out. You'll love it. I like you Michael only... Moore now that I've seen that trailer. Oh, we also have, um, Eric just told me, we got the uh, link to that uh, website, CapitalHillBlue.com. We got the link. Nice going, Eric. He's on top of it because he's afraid that he's going to lose the keys to the empire, and Josh will be doing all that work, which we thought that he wanted Josh to do in the first place, which is why I spent all that money on the computer, which went right. through about 85 hands, and finally got into Josh's hands. And he's paying 50 bucks a month for DSL. Well, I, I, then somebody ought to be telling me about these things. I'm not going to expect him to be paying for it himself. What is wrong with you, man? He can help. I did mention that. What? He can be helping. See, we don't want I to understand that, but in the does. meantime, he shouldn't be paying out of his own pocket. See him. Brain. Yeah, maybe that's why he relates to that so much. Maybe he's got a brain the size of a... See him. Yeah. Let me know how much it is. I'll take care of it. Fifty bucks a month. Well, but let me know for how long. Don't be telling me, like, for five years now. I know the way some of you guys operate. buy it a la carte like that. I beg your pardon? You either have it or you don't. Yeah, I understand, but he started at a certain point. Don't you get it? Oh, I see. The back Oh, God, you are so... Just oh. no wonder your wife hates you like poison. Anyway, let's see. Great Stanley Cup. Go Bolts, go. Will uh, the season start? Will the season start on time? See, this is the same uh, chronic that facts before, I think. No, it's not. This is Daniel. How the hell do I know, Daniel? But I sure as hell doubt it. That hockey game we saw last night, that might be the last hockey game we see for a long time. Oh, my God. George will survive. Josh hmm? will survive because he don't give a flying crap about hockey anyway. Just out of spite, I should put some Leafs lunch on. At uh, Tampa Bay. You see, there you go. There's Bill Waters. Boy, is he fat. He's a good guy, though. He's a good broadcaster. He was not a good GM, but he's a good broadcaster. And Don Cherry might have done his last coach's corner on CBC last night. You are aware of that, aren't you? Who? Great. You should know Don Cherry. Rimmer sure. had you call him enough times for crying out loud. Yeah, I like him a when lot more. When he used to come in and give you that list of 85 people you had to call. Mm-hmm. The Don Shula Expressway, the high, I knew you were full of crap. The 836 is the Dolphin Expressway. Yep. You better learn your expressways, mister, because you sure don't know them. Yeah, I don't get down there as often. I'm going to get the bridge to. tender all over your ass if you don't watch it. He's dead. Am I right? Absolutely correct, sir. Well, Don Shula is the 874. That's right. why I don't know it, because I never, uh, I don't think I was even ever on the 874, even when I lived in Kendall. The 836 is the Dolphin Expressway. Anybody right. knows that, mister. The Dolphin. Plus, it's, oh, here's a very good choice. Very, it says, my vote's going elsewhere, but I want to add John Travolta. Yeah. Although I did eventually see that one movie he played that he was, did a good job. Where he played the uh, father of that kid. With Kirstie Alley? Was Kirstie Alley, was sure Alley in it? Well, what's the name of that Mother movie? It was a good movie. Look who's talking. Where they were building the house and then the, uh, jackass neighbor wanted him, uh, kept threatening to, uh, do this and do that. I think we're talking about different movies. Oh. Well, he was, uh, pretty good. Anyway, here's another, uh, let's see, the CANF. Oh, yeah, Cuban American National Foundation, right. And, of course, that immigration policy, well, that's another story for another day. I can tell you stories back from W. Snooze when INS people came in, but that's uh, another story. Not INS, uh, immigration. Yeah, INS. La Migra. Today's poll, Andy Garcia. Oh, that's a very good one. Thank you, Wilhelm, whoever you are, Vili or Voni. Oh, here you go, and especially since I realized how ugly he was, Hayden Christensen. Man, that kid is grotesque. He's got yeah. zits that haven't been invented yet. Hayden Christensen, who we thought they had a lot of makeup on. He looked like he was going to be one of those cute, you know, but he's nasty looking, and uh, I don't know if he can act or not. 
Natalie Portman. It says, take your pick. They have the charisma of socially deprived granite. <laughs> it says, Lucas must have found them at Home Depot and Hardware. Okay, that's cute. Good oh. faxes today. Got about a hundred more uh, Reagan uh, bashing. They're not Reagan bashing. They're just historically accurate is the way I would describe them. I mean, some people can't handle the truth, as Jack Nicholson would say. So there you go. You notice nobody mentioned Jack Nicholson today. Thank goodness. Yeah. Although if there's somebody who don't like him, they could put him on there. But I would, I would be really pissed, wouldn't you? That would not make any sense. No, he's uh, great. 27 past noon at 560 WQM. Nobody wants to talk about cancer or heart disease, especially thinking about yourself having it. But it's a proven fact that disease responds extremely well to treatment if you detect it early. Several weeks ago, I went to a place in Hollywood called Hollywood Diagnostic Center, and I had, uh, and it was easy. You didn't even have to take all my clothes off, thank goodness, because that's embarrassing. Hollywood Diagnostic Center is proud to announce their virtual colonoscopy, which is a lot less intrusive than your traditional colonoscopy. And the two tests that I had, coronary heart scoring and full-body screening exams, like a little virtual trip right down through your lungs and through your stomach and through all your organs and all the way down to your... Rectum. Well, and these uh, exams can detect cancer or other life-threatening diseases in their early stages. You don't even need a doctor's referral to take these exams. But, boy, when you walk out of there with a good report, you really have peace of mind. And, of course, if you do have something brewing, then uh, you can still catch it while it's before it's too late. For all your imaging exams, I encourage you to call Hollywood Diagnostic Center at 954-966-3600 for a test that can give you and your family, like I said, tremendous peace of mind. At Hollywood Diagnostics, they offer you state-of-the-art imaging equipment with open MRI, high-speed CAT scan, nuclear medicine, and much, much more. Hollywood Diagnostics, they've been serving the community for over 20 years, and they provide you with a complete mobile diagnostic service that can come right to you if you need to. Call Hollywood Diagnostics Center at 954-966-3600 for those imaging exams today. Could be one of the most important calls you could ever make in your life. Call 954-966-3600 for the Hollywood Diagnostic Center. I'm Mo Green. I made my bones when you were going out with cheerleaders. Coming up tonight on Inside the Behind the True Hollywood Celebrity Music Biography Profile Story. They were from Canada, where everything is so much better. They were Lynn. I know that it's Our music was a boot like positive and upbeat things, eh? Lynn's founder, Mark Costanzo. Basically, eh, Canadians are like happier than you Americans, eh? We got like a healthcare system that like works, eh? And like the crime rate is much lower here, eh? And nobody in the Middle East is like mad at us, eh? What are you trying to say? Oh, nothing, eh? Just nobody calls us the great Satan or anything, eh? Look, that's enough, you... you... Canadian. Oh, it's okay. I know what the hostility is about, eh? But, like, we're this close to legalizing marijuana here, too. You are? How soon do you think? Oh, any day, eh? Uh, listen, you think you could put me up for a few weeks? You know why. Scope out a place to live. Oh, sure, eh? Great. Sorry I got bad before. Whoa. An apology, eh? I never heard an American do that, eh? When? Their upbeat, positive music has shed new light on a place that just might decide not to put me in jail for getting high. It's a big, juicy, sopping wet look at show business. Tonight, on Inside the Behind. 2701 at 560 WQM. Kerry closes out on Bush in Louisiana. Senator John Kerry is moving up against President Bush in Louisiana, narrowing a 10-point lead held by Bush in March, now to just six points, the A&P reports. Marketing in, uh, Research Institute poll shows Bush leading Kerry 48 to 42 percent, nearly within the margin of error of the poll. 
The movement could be because of Kerry's aggressive ad-buying strategy in Louisiana. He unexpectedly added the Republican-leaning state to his list of battleground states, forcing the president to launch an ad-counterstrike. Louisiana, wouldn't that be something? And then, of course, if he picks that Iowa governor that we never heard of before, whose name I already forgot, as his running mate, that should sink him. I mean, that should do it. 26 till 1 at 560 WQAM. Ever been in Louisiana? No, I can't say Don't. I've had the pleasure. Don't. And that includes Nolene's. Okay, just just pop in Southern Comfort. I keep yeah. telling you that. That's a good idea. Pop oh, it in with your VCR. Oh, it's movie. a great movie. Especially that K-John concert they stumbled right. upon. But what you see is what you get. I guess that's why you didn't know Chef Paul Prudom, because he's big on that K-John crap, you know, K-John. Is he the one that says Cayenne Pepper? I don't know. Yeah, he's the one. Oh, okay, Peppa. then I do know who that is. He's I think we should also talk about Claude Pepper every now and then. Okay, let's see. Randolph T. Holhut. Eh? Now, who the hell is he? Well, let me take a look here. He's a, a journalist in New England for the last 20 years. He writes, Ronald Reagan's squalid legacy. The conservatives weep and wail over the death of Ronald Reagan and lionize him as a courageous visionary who's in the same league with Abraham Lincoln and Franklin Roosevelt, the president who won the Cold War and restored this nation's greatness on the international stage. Before they succeed in totally rewriting the history books, we must not forget the real Reagan record, a record of immorality and corruption that far surpasses anything that Bill Clinton's ever done. Alexander Cockburn, in his 1988 book, Corruptions of Empire, neatly summed up Ronald Reagan's legacy thusly. Reaganism is shorthand for a particular culture of consumption, a reverie of militarism, of violence redeemed, of a maniac, corrupted and malevolent idealism. The priorities of this culture at the directly political level were simple enough. The transfer of income from the poor to the rich, the expansion of war production, and an activist foreign policy, traditional in many ways, but as Noam Chomsky has said, at an extreme end of the spectrum. Intervention, subversion, aggression, international terrorism, and general gangsterism and lawlessness, the essential content of the Reagan doctrine. The, Reagan, uh, the record on Reagan pretty much supports Cockburn's view. Reagan didn't win the Cold War as much as benefit from forcing the Soviet Union to spend itself into bankruptcy and collapse in an effort to keep up with the U.S. in an arms race that it couldn't win. That arms race nearly bankrupted our nation in the process. Thanks to Reagan's overspending on defense, he oversaw the largest peacetime increase in national debt from $909 billion when he entered office to $2.6 billion when he left. That's $909 million when he entered, $2.6 billion when he left. In retrospect, the arms buildup was completely unnecessary. Reagan purged analysts from the CIA who dared to say that the Soviets were too broke to be a military threat. The CIA would later be totally caught off guard by the collapse of pro-Soviet regimes in Eastern Europe in 1989 and the breakup of the USSR in 91. The foreign policy misdeeds of the Reagan years are shameful and immoral. It funded proxy wars in El Salvador and Nicaragua, smeared the reputations of reporters and other observers who told the truth about the atrocities and killing committed by forces we funded, trained, and supported. And then there's the Iran-Contra affair, a scandal that dwarfed Watergate in its sheer brazenness. Against the wishes of the U.S. Congress and the American people, our government, with knowledge and consent of Reagan and most of the top echelon of his administration, secretly sold weapons to Iran and used the proceeds to fund a private army to overthrow the Sandinista government in Nicaragua. Laws were broken and the American people were lied to repeatedly. The fact that Reagan, George Herbert Walker Bush, and the rest of the folks involved escaped prosecution was itself a crime. While the Reagan years were about squalid foreign policy, both covert and overt, they were also about unbridled greed. Government was the problem, not the solution. Reagan and his followers proclaimed, Let the magic of the marketplace solve our nation's ills, they told us. When it came to domestic policy, the Reagan revolution hinged on a simple theory. In the private sector, spending borrowed money is called investment. When the government borrows money, it's just spending. Government doesn't invest, it just consumes. And if it's not consuming, it's getting in the way of free enterprise with its taxes and regulations. This theory that the free market was infallible and government was evil was taken as gospel by the Republicans. 
Reagan's laissez-faire approach to economy resulted in one of the greatest transfers of wealth in this country's history. According to data gathered in federal surveys, the wealthiest 20% in the U.S. received 99% of the total gains in the economy between 1983 and 1989. During that same period, the richest 1% picked up 62% of the new wealth that was created. During the Reagan years, the number of millionaires in the U.S. tripled, while the share of our nation's wealth held by the richest 1% rose from 20% in 1970 to 40% in 1990. The tax cuts of the Reagan years, which dropped the highest federal individual tax rate from 70 to 28%, contributed greatly to this trend. Instead of public investment, we saw social programs eliminated to pay for more tax cuts. From 1980 to 1990, federal spending on transportation and infrastructure was cut 68%, spending for education and training went down 60%, and law enforcement and government expenditures declined 58%. The 1980s were an age where wealth was created, not by creating new products or services, but by dismantling and reshuffling already existing assets. The people who did the dismantling made lots of money, while the workers who saw their high-paying jobs disappear paid for the dismantlers' profits. The idea of using governments to increase incomes, reduce unemployment, and maintain a social safety net is now politically unfashionable, thanks to Reagan. The only public spending that's still acceptable is money for the military-industrial complex and corporate welfare. This is Ronald Reagan's real legacy to America, and it's not one to celebrate. It's a legacy of criminality abroad and plunder at home. It's a legacy of the devaluation of the public sphere and how a second-rate actor pulled off his greatest role, the genial dunce as a great leader. It's hardly a legacy to celebrate. Oh, don't be telling wow. that to the uh, mass media, though, huh? That's great. <laughs> you can't say that. The man just croaked for crying out loud. I just said it. 20 till 1 at 560 QAM. Live, Live and local. We're Sports Radio 560 QAM. The sky is falling. <laughs> Now they'll probably close the pool again. Tired of those pesky summertime terrorist attacks? Oh, where did that nerve gas come from? Now I'll have to finish this golf game with this stupid mask on. Don't let bothersome terrorist attacks get to you. Get Terragon. Just spray and terrors away. Last year, someone blew up a nuclear reactor down the street. Boy, did that wreck my day at the beach. Get Terragon. Stops irritating embassy bombings right where they start. Also great for those picnic-killing biological and chemical agents. Honey, these hot dogs don't taste right. I bet it's that darn anthrax again. Did you remember to bring the Terragon? I always remember. Thanks, honey. You saved the day. And your life. <laughs> Four out of five Homeland Security directors recommend Terragon over the leading terrorism spray. So this summer, when terrorism spawns, get Terragon. 1244-16-1. Mad Dog standing by. He'll be along at two. Here's the poll result right now. Who is the most overrated movie actor or actress of all time? John Wayne, the Duke. You can't touch the Duke. He's got 82. Although Kevin Costner's moving close to his ass. Kevin's got 75. Keanu Reeves, 74. He's moving up uh, on both. James Dean, 68. Julia Roberts, 39. Jennifer Lopez. J-Lo's got 38. Couldn't act her way out of a paper sack. Marilyn Monroe, 37. Elvis, 25. Arnold's got 23. Will Smith and Vin Diesel. Van Diesel each have 20. Uh, Mel Gibson, 13. Charlie Chaplin, 8. Richard Gere's got uh, 7. Harrison Ford, 7. Robert De Niro, 5. Al Pacino, 5. Michael Douglas, 4. Rock Hudson, 4. Brad Pitt, 4. Marlon Brando, 4. Raquel Welch, 4. Gene Hackman, 3. Tom Hanks, 3. Paul Walker, 3. So he can't act. Who cares? 
Charlton Heston, three. John Travolta, three. Frank Sinatra, two. Val Kilmer, two. Hayden Christensen. Little Hayden's got two. Cover up that face. Meryl Streep, one. Humphrey Bogart, one. Natalie Portman, one. Sir Lawrence Olivier's got one. With or without Danny Kay. No votes yet for Michael Caine, Dennis Hopper, Andy Garcia, Vanessa Redgrave, or Ewan McGregor out of 591 votes. A lot of votes, considering the fact we've been dilly-dallying around here, you know what? Well, that doesn't stop them. Well, here's line nine. QAM, hello. Denzel Washington at one-dimensional call. I'll get out of here. I would put Denzel Washington on there for him. Let's put it on anyway. Uh, that guy, like I said, one of my least favorite. You're an idiot, man. You're, you're... Just speak, okay? Just once. Try to conduct yourself like a human being, okay? I know it's uh, be an act, speaking of bad acting. Just speak. Sound off put... like you got a pair. Yeah, pretend that you're like a real person. Just once. We'll give you a purple star and a gold jelly bean like Jerry Wichner. Of course, he's still dead. Okay, let me get to this other stuff. I don't want to, like, run out of time here, okay? Because I must meet my appointed rounds. I got, let's see, one, two. I got a few more here. Now, some of them may overlap in some of the points, although, quite frankly, you can't say it more than uh, enough. Peter Preston in the British paper The Guardian writes, Ronald Reagan, towering he wasn't. He was a truly great American, a towering figure of our age, and so on and so forth, from Lady Thatcher, Michael Howard, George W., and all who scurried yesterday to bury Ronald Reagan in an uh, ocean of tribute. Oleaginous. What kind of a word is that? In an oleaginous ocean of tribute, how deep is that ocean? It's amazing how fast your feet touch rocky bottom. Reagan, for the moment, has a particular niche in American folklore. He came after poor, careworn Jimmy Carter. He was sunshine after rain. He made deft jokes and read an autocue better than any president before or since. He smiled and aw-shucked easily. A man for picket fences and pecan pie. A Frank Capra hero picnicking on a White House lawn. The good times rolled through his eight years of power. And, oh, yes, he was that strong guy who won the Cold War. One in quotes. Is this enough for towering greatness? Ah, shucks, it barely stands straight, let alone tall. There was one hero of Ronnie's two terms, one really strong fellow who held everything together, but his name was Jim Baker the brilliant political manager and mate of Vice President George Bush, who became chief of staff when a crisis of competence threatened everything when Donald Reagan bailed out and the Oval Office turned pear-shaped. Kind of like Clarence's ass. James A. Baker III was for a while the best president America never had, and Ronnie, upstairs snoozing or watching TV, was a passenger riding his luck. There is no point, simply no point, in turning Ronald Reagan into some mythic master now that he's gone. I traveled campaign trails with him and laughed at his jokes. He pressed flesh and political buttons better than most, he was Hollywood on a small-town visit. Maybe postcard of the U.S. psyche did need bathing in such bomb for a while, but the reputation which flows from there is hokum squared. A champion of individual freedom? See how Reagan, the boss of the Screen Actors Guild, kept his head well down when McCarthy started firing poisonous darts. An ideal family man? Only if you like your family's dysfunctional and your Christianity still born again. A man of action? When the going gets rough in Beirut, then to use the jargon, he cut and ran. A warrior? Only if you reckon invading Grenada was tougher than a friendly against Iceland. A wizard of detail? He didn't understand Iran-Contra from start to finish. A non-plotter who couldn't follow the plot. Wasn't he, though, a true ideologue of the conservative way? That was rubber, a rubbish claim that even Mrs. Thatcher found hard to make with a straight face. Ronald Reagan's sunlit years of prosperity were built from the straw of ballooning deficits. Live now, let old George Bush pay later. He believed in tax cuts, but not hard choices. There was no pain to his gain, no structural reform, no reality of change to be battled through. He let others pick up his tabs. And as for winning that last war, but two, the cold one before his drugs and terrorism, did Reagan piling cruise missiles into Europe, dreaming star satellite dreams of zapping bad hats, truly win anything? Didn't he just watch the Soviet Union self-destruct on his watch? Was Reagan around for the Prague Spring, which told the first story of the empire's disintegration? 
The plain fact which nobody discerned is that everything the West said about unsustainable economic systems and ramshackle bureaucracies was right. The plain fact was that Soviet hegemony, uh, hegemony couldn't last and that the war was one mostly of mutual incomprehension. Give Ronnie credit for not dropping the ball near the basket, but don't make him FDR in the process. No, the towering lesson of Reagan's tenure was rather different. It was about what the job amounted to do and how he needed to do it. Since the Warren Harding and Coolidge disasters 30 or more years ago, About 30, man! America had expected and wanted more. A Roosevelt to be revered, a Truman to be sustained, an Ike of experience, and Kennedy filled with hope, a cute LBJ and clever if tricky Dickey. Some of those choices went well and some were lousy, but the hurdle of effort and expertise was set even higher. Could the system keep on producing? And then, ambling out of Sacramento in his, as his 70s neared, came Nancy and Ronnie in their matching check shirts. The record man examination had been scratched and fuzzy, their friends too fat and nest-feathered for comfort, but they talked the talk, seemed to walk the walk, and made the White House manageable again. You didn't need to engage brain if you could hire it for the duration. You didn't need to be bright or brilliant. Ah, shucks, they made George W. possible. How do you like that? That's what they left us was... Abu Ghraib. That. What a legacy, eh? These are great. Aren't they really? Robert Perry writes... That's P-A-R-R-Y. Well, this is a long one. Wow. Uh, AP, a Newsweek writer, broke many of the stories uh, now known as the Iran-Contra affair, currently working on a book about the secret political history of the two George Bushes. Oh, I like that. It's pretty long, though. I, I don't want to start it now and then have to, like, read this interrupt us. Maybe I can do this other one now before uh, the break, you think? Mm. Go for it. We can now I'll try it. Push the break. John Nichols, Reagan's Politics of Passion. John Nichols in the nation speaks for itself. Rest assured that the radical reworking of history that America witnessed in the hours after Ronald Reagan died Saturday at 93 will be temporary, while the over-the-top media coverage and official commentary regarding the 40th president's passing has made him out to be such a noble figure that otherwise rational people have been heard to suggest that Reagan was the greatest president of the 20th century. It will not take long for a balancing to begin. In short order, the assessments of Reagan the man and of his tenure in the Oval Office will be tempered. Then conservatives and liberals will be free to consider this ideologically driven and misguided president's record with eyes wide open. For now, however, realism is in short supply, much to the detriment of not just the historical record but of Reagan's memory. All of a sudden, the man who redirected tens of billions of dollars away from domestic needs to build up the largest nuclear arsenal on the planet ran up record deficits, saw members of his administration investigated and indicted at a staggering rate, and himself came close to being impeached for allowing AIDS to create a shadow government that peddled weapons to sworn enemies of the U.S. and used the profits to fund illegal wars in Central America, was remade as a statesman to restore dignity and direction to his country. While no one should begrudge Reagan's admirers this opportunity to replay those Morning in America commercials that were deployed with such success during the last of the man's fourth runs for the presidency, it's a bit embarrassing to watch pundits and polls who know better embracing the spin. The problem with all this hero worship is that the spin underestimates and mischaracterizes Reagan. It reduces a complex and controversial man to a blurry icon with few of the rough edges that made him one of the most remarkable political figures of his time. That he was remarkable doesn't mean that he was right. Most of what Reagan did during his two terms as governor of California and two terms as president can most charitably be described as misguided. Aside from his support for abortion rights during his governorship and his opposition to anti-gay initiatives in California during the late 70s, Reagan displayed an amazing ability to place himself on the wrong side of issues and of history. Yet there is something that liberals can and should learn from Reagan. Ronald Reagan was a master politician who understood how to package right-wing ideas in appealing enough forums to get himself elected and sometimes to implement his programs. 
even when Americans didn't like the ideas that Reagan was peddling, as in 1984 when polls showed Democrat Walter Mondale's ideas were significantly more popular, they liked Reagan. Throughout his career, Reagan benefited from the penchant of Americans to embrace politicians who seemed to be at ease with their ideology. This sense that true believers are genuine creates confidence in citizens lending itself to lines like, even if you disagree with him, you know where he stands. And such lines translate on election day into votes that frequently cross ideological and partisan lines. Reagan connected as a conservative by displaying an optimism about his ideology and its potential that most right-leaning politicians before him had lacked, and that optimism transformed the conservative movement from a petty circle of grumbling cynics who believed that every glass was half-empty and probably poisoned into energetic and, dare it be said, happy warriors on behalf of tax cuts, ever more expensive weapon systems, corporate welfare, privatization, deregulation, and the blurring of lines between church and state. In the years after Republican right-winger Barry Goldwater's landslide loss of the 64 election, many conservatives had doubts about whether they would ever be able to peddle their programs successfully. But Reagan did not doubt. He believed. And his faith was infectious. It helped him beat a liberal uh, Democratic governor of California in 1966 and a moderate Democratic president in 1980. And it permitted a new generation of conservatives to feel they were part of a movement not just with principles but with the future. As that movement grasped its future during Reagan's presidency and in its aftermath, liberals, especially those working within the constraints of the Democratic Party, began to be the ones who entertained doubts. Many Democrats gave up altogether on the liberal values that had carried the party to its greatest successes and moved to the right. It was a tragic error for which the Democratic Party continues to pay. The lesson to be learned from Reagan is not an ideological one. His ideology was wrong for America and wrong for the world, something even Reagan sometimes recognized as when he backed away from those extreme tenets of the conservative agenda to, for instance, defend Social Security, and when he finally agreed at the behest of Margaret Thatcher to negotiate with the former Soviet leader Mikhail Gorbachev. Rather, the lesson to be learned from Reagan is a stylistic one. He loved preaching his conservative doctrines, and he loved battling with liberals at the ballot box, at the debate podium, and in the Capitol. He was a conservative first, a Republican second. He showed no respect for party decorum, challenging a sitting Republican president, Gerald Ford, who he felt was too moderate. And he was willing to lose on principle, whether in that 1976 nomination with Ford or during his presidential terms in fights with Congress over tax policy, foreign affairs, or nominations to the U.S. Supreme Court. Just imagine if Bill Clinton has been as committed to advancing an activist liberal ideology as Reagan was to his conservative agenda. America might have a national health care plan today. Labor law reform could have become a reality rather than an empty promise. The U.S. would certainly have a more progressive judiciary. And here's another notion. If Clinton or Al Gore had put as much energy and enthusiasm into educating Americans about and promoting a liberal agenda as Reagan did for his conservative ideals, the U.S. today would have a different Congress and president. This willingness to fight so fearlessly and forcefully for his political faith is what made the 40th president remarkable. It is what inspired conservatives, and it is the one thing that liberals would do well to learn from Ronald Reagan. Live and local, this is Sports Radio 560, QAQAM. Buttheads, it's the one to two hour. Anytime they see that we're lacking in the polls, they throw out a headline that will lead you by the nose. Absolutely. Who said, they said, is the one he gets. Now they have only one. Big Don't worry, boss, we got him. We got him. Now we're all hoping and saying, we got him. We won't attack us no more. We got him. Play 
It's our gigantic, humongous, smelly one to two hour. Look at that. We've got a battle going on there between the Duke and Keanu Reeves. Ever see the two of them together? Well, they both walk funny. John Wayne, 86. Keanu Reeves, 81. Kevin Costner, 79. Just keep in mind that uh, John Wayne's name was Marion, was his first name. I'll never forget. Right. At any rate, uh, Burt Reynolds, somebody says, and he deserves a lot of votes, even though we liked him in Boogie Nights and in Deliverance a lot. Right. But other than that... I think those Smokey and the Bandit movies, <laughs> oh. all those movies he made with Dom DeLuise, I think that uh, might have done him in. So Burt Reynolds will get some votes. And now somebody else who's undecided can decide between Dan Aykroyd, which I don't know why that's on there. I like Dan Aykroyd. And Dustin Hoffman, which I like them both, but we'll put them on there just to make you happy. How's that? Okay. Adam Rubin from MoveOn.org, uh, from the Move On Pack uh, emails, and I'm sure a lot of you, uh, you're probably on this thing too, aren't you? Yes, indeed. Good. Says, dear Move On member, if you've seen election coverage lately, you know that although John Kerry is growing stronger, although you never know that by the complexion of his face, and President Bush's support is faltering, the country is still almost evenly divided. This means the election will hinge on turnout, which team can most effectively get its supporters to vote. Simply put, to win, we must speak to millions of our fellow Americans about what's at stake in November and why every single vote will count. If we do this... We will take back the White House and put a stop to the Bush administration's assault on the environment, civil liberties, jobs, choice, civil rights, access to health care, not to mention world peace. This Saturday, June 12th, is the second election action day. And move on members will be heading into neighborhoods to register and or mobilize progressive voters in the local areas. As you may know, you live in a battleground state that will be critical in the deciding November election. Please help. And it says see details at your local event and sign up at, and then it's got a, a link for you to click. It says, on May 8th, almost 10,000 move-on members contacted hundreds of thousands of voters during the first-ever National Election Action Day, held in coalition with dozens of allied groups. It was the biggest one-day voter mobilization effort in American history, an incredible display of the impact that concerned citizens can have when we put together. Think of this. If each move-on member registers two people between now and November, as this volunteer did, we'll register four million voters, easily enough to sway the outcome of the presidential election. If we each register 10, we'll have registered 20 million voters and change the political landscape of this country completely. If you've never done this before, this kind of voter mobilization might sound intimidating, but Move On members told us again and again how glad they were made to have uh, had a chance to do it. How do you like that? So that's like this it. Saturday. What I would do is just to go to MoveOn.org if you're a member, or even if you're not yet, I would uh, check it out. When it's out. Raiding Reagan, a bogus legacy. This will have to be a two-parter because I'll never, I, I don't want to like rush through it. By Robert rush. Perry. I don't want to <laughs> pop any oxys while I'm reading it. 
Robert Perry in the 80s, while with the Associated Press and Newsweek, he broke many of the stories now known as the Iran-Contra scandal. He's currently working on a book about the secret political history of George Bush I and George Bush W. Tooth. He says, the U.S. news media's reaction to Ronald Reagan's death is putting on display what has happened to the American public debate in the years since Reagan's political rise in the late 70s, a near total collapse of serious analytical thinking at the national level. Analytical thinking? <laughs> Across the U.S. television dial and in major American newspapers, the commentary is fawning almost in a Pravda-like way, far beyond the normal reticence against speaking ill of the dead. Left-of-center commentators compete with conservatives to hail Reagan's supposedly genial style and his alleged role in winning the Cold War. The Washington Post front headline, Ronald Reagan Dies, was in giant type, more fitting the moon landing. Yet absent from the media commentary was the one fundamental debate that must be held before any reasonable assessment can be made of Ronald Reagan and his presidency, how, why, and when was the Cold War won? If, for instance, the United States was already on the verge of victory over a foundering Soviet Union in the early to mid-70s, as some analysts believe, then Reagan's true historic role may not have been winning the Cold War, but helping to extend it. If the Soviet Union was already in rapid decline, rather than the ascendancy that Reagan believed, then the massive U.S. military buildup in the 80s was not decisive, it was excessive. The terrible bloodshed in Central America and Africa, including death squad activities by U.S. clients, was not some necessary evil. It was a war crime aided and abetted by the Reagan administration. That debate, however, has never been engaged except by Reagan acolytes who choose to glorify Reagan's role in winning the Cold War rather than examining the assumptions that guided his policies in the 70s and 80s. Although it's largely forgotten now, Reagan's rise within the Republican Party was as a challenger to the detente strategies pursued by Richard Nixon and Henry Kissinger before the Watergate scandal forced Nixon from office and later by Gerald Ford. Detente was, in effect, an effort to ease the Cold War to an end, much as finally occurred in the late 1980s and early 90s. Cold Warriors Nixon and Kissinger, along with much of the U.S. intelligence community, had recognized the systemic weakness of the Soviet Union, which was falling desperately behind the West in technology and the ability to produce consumer goods desired by the peoples of Eastern Europe. One only needed to look at nighttime satellite photos to see the disparity between the glittering city lights of North America, Western Europe, and parts of Asia compared to the darkness across the Soviet bloc. Under this analysis of Soviet weakness, the 1970s was the time for the West to accept victory and begin transitioning in the, of the Soviet Union out of its failed economic model. Not only could that approach have hastened the emergence of a new generation of Russian reformers, it would have allowed world leaders to pull back from the edge of nuclear confrontation. Third world civil wars also could have been addressed as local conflicts, not east-west test of strength. But American conservatives and a new group of neocons who would become the ideological backbone of the Reagan administration saw the situation differently. They insisted that the Soviet Union was on the rise militarily with plans to surround the U.S. and eventually conquer it by attacking through the soft underbelly of Central America. In 1976, then-CIA director George Herbert Walker Bush gave an important boost to this apocalyptic vision by allowing a group of conservative analysts, including young Paul Wolfowitz, inside the CIA's, uh, CIA's analytical division. The group known as the B-Team, Team B, was permitted to review highly classified U.S. intelligence on the Soviet Union. Not surprisingly, Team B came up with conclusions matching its members' preconceptions that the CIA had underestimated the Soviet military's ascendancy and its plans to gain world domination. Along with the Team B analysis came the theories of academic Jean Kirkpatrick, who made a name for herself with an analysis that differentiated between authoritarian and totalitarian governments. In Kirkpatrick's theory, right-wing authoritarian governments were preferable to left-wing communist governments because authoritarian governments could evolve toward democracy, while communist governments couldn't. These two factors, the Team B take on the military rise of the Soviet bloc and the Kirkpatrick doctrine's view of immutable communist regimes, guided Reagan's foreign policy. 
Reagan relied on these analyses to justify both his massive U.S. military buildup in the 80s, which put the U.S. government deeply into debt, and his support for right-wing regimes that engaged in bloodbaths against their opponents, especially across Latin America. As far back as the late 1970s, for example, Reagan defended the Argentine military junta while it was engaged in the use of state terror and was disappearing tens of thousands of dissidents. Those tactics included barbaric acts such as cutting babies out of pregnant women so the mothers could then be executed while the babies were given to the murderers. In the 1980s in Guatemala, Reagan aided military regimes that waged scorched earth campaigns against rural peasants, including genocide against Indian populations. Reagan personally attacked the human rights reports describing atrocities inflicted on hundreds of Mayan villages on December 4, 1982, after meeting with Guatemalan dictator General Efrán Rios Montt. Reagan hailed the general as totally dedicated to democracy and asserted that Rios Montt's government was getting a bum rap. Tens of thousands more people died at the hands of right-wing security forces in El Salvador and Honduras, while in Nicaragua, Ronald Reagan funneled support to the Contras, who behaved like kind of a death squad in waiting, committing widespread atrocities against Nicaraguan civilians while funding some operations with a, co a cocaine trafficking to the U.S. If followed, after all, it followed that if the Soviet Union were on the verge of world conquest and it would mean permanent slavery, then desperate measures were required. But the problem with the TB analysis and the Kirkpatrick doctrine is that both were wrong. The evidence is now clear that by the 1970s, the uh, Soviet Union was in sharp decline, both economically and militarily. Rather than some grandiose strategy for world conquest, Moscow was in a largely defensive posture, trying to hold in line the country, countries near its borders, such as Eastern Europe and Afghanistan. The Helsinki Accords for Human Rights also were putting the Soviet Union under greater pressure as dissident movements such as Poland Solidarity took shape within Moscow's sphere of influence. Besides greater personal freedom, Soviet bloc residents wanted the higher quality consumer goods available in the West. Even a bigger threat to Moscow's power was the growing chasm between Western technological advances and Soviet backwardness. By the late 70s and 80s, the relatively modest assistance that Moscow handed out to friendly third world regimes such as Cuba and Nicaragua was more show than substance. The Soviet Union had become a national Potemkin village, a hollowed-out economy and bankrupt political system with nuclear weapons. Along with the miscalculations of Team B's strategic analysis, the Kirkpatrick Doctrine failed to stand the test of time. Democratic governments sprouted across eastern Europe, and the Sandinistas conceded defeat in Nicaragua, not as Contras marched into Managua, but following a lost election. Indeed, if the Soviet Union had been what American conservatives claimed, the nation marching toward world supremacy in the early 80s, how would one explain its rapid collapse only a few years later? After all, the Soviet Union wasn't evaded, evaded or conquered. Its troops did suffer losses in Afghanistan, but that would have no more brought down a true superpower than the Vietnam defeat could have caused the U.S. to collapse. Despite these facts, the right wing's historical take on the Cold War was one has been broadly accepted with the elite opinion circles of the U.S. Reagan's hardline stance toward the Soviet Union caused the com communists to crumble. Given how powerful the right-wing media machine had gotten by the early 90s, liberals largely chose to cede the Cold War debate to the conservatives and tried to shift the public's focus to future U.S. domestic needs. So instead of a soul-searching examination of the unnecessary loss of blood and treasure, the nation got a feel-good history. Gone was any reassessment of the alarmist views associated with Ronald Reagan and his ideological cohorts. Gone were any questions about whether the expenditure of hundreds of billions of dollars on new weapon systems was justified, or whether the U.S. government should be held accountable for the brutal excesses of counterinsurgency wars in Central America. The unpleasant history was shunted aside or covered up. When declassified U.S. government documents led to a judgment by a Guatemalan Truth Commission that the Reagan administration had aided and abetted genocide, it was a one-day story. When a CIA inspector general confirmed that many country units had engaged in drug trafficking and were protected by the Reagan administration, the mainstream press only grudgingly acknowledged the story. 
Another little-noticed part of the Reagan legacy was his credentialing of a generation of neoconservative operatives who learned the importance of manipulating intelligence from Team B and about managing the perceptions of the American people from the Nicaraguan Contra War. As Walter Raymond, Reagan's chief of public diplomacy, was fond of saying about how to sell the Nicaraguan conflict to the American people, the goal was to glue black hats on the leftist Sandinistas and white hats on the Contras. George W. Bush's strategy for rallying the American public behind the war in Iraq with hyped intelligence about military threats and extreme rhetoric about the evil of U.S. adversaries, follows the game plan drawn up by Reagan's national security team in the 80s. Arguably, too, another troubling part of Ronald Reagan's legacy is the press corps' stultifying version of recent American history, a superficiality richly on display in the media peons to Reagan following his death. Well, well, I think I'm out of steam. You getting the message? 113 at 560 QAM. My and local. This is Sports Radio 560. QAM. QAM. Like any other. I got the But for Hannah Knowles, it was three months that changed everything. You just think you're all alone. You just need to let in the people who love you. If I don't let people in, they can't leave me or hurt me. Hannah, life is about the letting in of the people who love you to let them in and to trust them to catch you when they fall. Am I living them, I don't like this top support. You know what, Daddy? Sometimes I hate you. Hannah, it's about your father. Sometimes when the people you love fall, they don't catch you on the way down. But your heart and your love aren't the safety net for the eternity of life center fighters. On August 29th. Open your heart and pick it up when it falls. Mandy Moore or Jessica Biel. Sometimes I wonder if my dreams are real life or if real life is a dream. And introducing Jake Renway. If a person you love isn't there to catch you in a dream and you fall, then you'll die in real life. Based on every movie with basically the same plot. Pretty white teens with problems. 118 at 560 WQM. Here's a good one for the poll. Ben Affleck. Yeah. Amen. Says throw J Lo in there, they both suck, says Pete. Well, J Lo's already doing very well. She's moving on up rapidly. Uh, in fact, she's already in fifth place. John Wayne, 89. Keanu Reeves, 84. Kevin Costner, 82. James Dean, 70. And uh, J Lo's moving right up on their ass, 45. Although I think they're all safe. Judy Roberts, 44. Marilyn Monroe, 39. Will Smith's got 32. I'm pleased as punch to see that. Elvis, 29. Vin Diesel, 26. Arnold, 24. Mel Gibson, 16. Everybody else has got the old single digits. Oh, we had a uh, fax yesterday from Stuttering Gill and Homestead, member. Yes, I do. About uh, Al Gore and uh, Mayor uh, uh, Penis Pequena. Yes. See, i got to figure out how I said. Gore says, and this was in Sunday's Herald, which I had missed. Sorry about that, Gill, but better late than never. So I, I looked it up, and I'm glad I did. Former Vice President Al Gore, who you notice lately he's starting to get, I wish he would have butched up Where like this uh, before. How dare they! Drag the good name of the United States of America through the mud of Saddam Hussein's torture prison. Abu Ghraib. That one, yeah. Former Vice President Al Gore, who lost the 2000 presidential election by allegedly 537 votes in Florida, on Saturday called Miami-Dade Mayor Alex Pinellas the most, the single most treacherous and dishonest person I dealt with during the campaign anywhere in America. Absolutely correct, sir. The statement was emailed by a Gore spokesman in response to a Herald inquiry about Pinellas' role in the 2000 campaign. 
Gore supporters say the vice president had counted on Pinal's for a late boost in the Hispanic community, and the mayor didn't come through. What a stunk he is, man, at Pinellas. What a putz. The harsh remarks came just three months before Pinellas faces a Democratic primary election for the U.S. Senate. Gore's reproach could seriously damage the mayor's bid to succeed Senator Bob Graham. All right. Since party loyalists tend to dominate turnout in the primary. In a telephone interview Saturday evening, Pinellas defended himself saying he was by Gore's side from the very beginning. Oh, my God. Al Gore has a right to be upset about the election, but he, had he won his home state of Tennessee or West Virginia, we wouldn't be here, Pinellas said. He also owes an explanation as to why he waited until the middle of October to engage in Florida. He said Gore had declined to return his phone calls to discuss the 2000 campaign. The mayor has been defending his loyalty to Gore for a full year in response to attacks from his Democratic rival, U.S. Representative Peter Deutsch. You go, Peter. The congressman went so far as to boycott last June's Florida Democratic Party dinner in his hometown of Hollywood because Pinellas was receiving an award there. Then at a recent forums, Pinellas has described himself as a strong Gore supporter, but the vice president's statement said not all who claimed to have been supportive and loyal truly were. Gore, who rarely gives interviews, added in his statement, as the campaign moves forward and when appropriate, I'll have more to say about this, and we can't wait for that. Stick it to him, Al. Stick it. Stick both of your feet right up his old rectum. Shoot. In fact, Gore went out of his way to praise Deutsch, who has served in Congress since 1992, saying in the statement, Peter Deutsch is a good and dear friend who's been a stand-up leader for our party in difficult times, such as the 2000 election recount in Florida. Pinellas did help raise hundreds of thousands of dollars for Gore when he ran with Bill Clinton in 96 and when he headed the ticket in 2000. During one fundraising trip to Miami, Gore and Pinellas toasted the victory with Cuban cafecitos. What is that? Little coffee? Cuban coffee, yeah, demitasis. At the reception, Pinellas gushed to the crowd, we're so looking forward to calling you President Gore. The mayor also touted Gore on Spanish-language radio, a main source of political news for Hispanic voters. There were rumors that he might even become his running mate. <laughs> the political whore that he is, Mayor Penis Pequeña. But relations between the two men frayed after five-year-old Elian Gonzalez was rescued at sea on Thanksgiving Day 1999. Many from Pinellas' political base, the heavily Republican Cuban-American community, took to the streets in rage when federal agents seized little Elianito at gunpoint from his relative's home and sent him back to his father in Cuba. They seized him right out of the hands of the fishermen. Though President Clinton and Attorney General Janet Reno were the most visible players during the crisis, many Cuban exiles lumped Gore with the federal government that returned the boy to an oppressive regime. Pinellas kept his distance, too. Instead of joining Gore when he clinched the Democratic nomination in March in Tallahassee, Pinellas attended his own fundraisers there. In August, he skipped the Democratic National Convention to focus on his eight re-election opponents. On October 18th, the day after his swearing-in, Pinellas was a no-show at a Hispanic get-out-the-vote rally in Hialeah. Later that day, he and his wife headed to Spain, to España, on a trip that was part vacation, part trade mission. He didn't return until October 30, a week before the election. Mitchell Berger, a leading Gore fundraiser, said he and others helped raise out-of-state money for Pinellas so he could avoid a runoff and spend more time rallying Hispanic voters for the vice president. Alex Pinellas did not help Al Gore during the most crucial time, said Berger, who was supporting Deutsch. Deutsch, in contrast, was a constant presence at the Broward County recount. He called for a federal investigation of Rowdy protested date at the recount before it shut down. When those jackasses from out of town were sent in so they could pound on the door going, Let us in! Let us in! He hosted fundraisers for Gore and donated 250 grand from his congressional account, one of the largest contributions of its kind to a national campaign. Both supporters and critics of Deutsch thought his assaults on Pinellas might backfire. Gore's statement gives Deutsch more ammunition than he could hope for. 
I would like to thank the Vice President for his gracious show of support and for saying what needed to be said, Deutsch said through spokesman Roy Teicher. Former Florida Education Commissioner Betty Castor, Hollywood businessman Bernard Klein will also be on the primary ballot. They got no chance. Although Pinellas has been in politics for 17 years, this is the first time he's run as a Democrat. All of his past campaigns for the Hialeah City Council, Dade County Commission, and Dade Mayor have been nonpartisan. Still, he's been one of the party's best fundraisers. He's also embraced core democratic values, crusading for gun control, standing up for gay rights, and spearheading a constitutional amendment to require public pre-kindergarten. If some people want to measure my democratic credentials by the 2000 election, that's fine, Pinello said. I've been a loyal and dedicated Democrat for a long time. You should live so long. How do you like that, huh? That alienito thing, man, that was the real chigger in a woodpile right there. Little alienito and the abuelas and sister Jean, the dancing machine, and uh, Janet Reno and the fisherman and the uh, Maris Greasy ass and the drunken <laughs> relatives and Ziplane, Ziplane. There was a little alienito in the backyard. Ziplane, he was doing his best Hervé Villachez uh, imitation in Espanol. Ziplane, take me back to Cuba. Oh, no, that's not what you meant. Oh, no, no, uh, whatever, whatever you say. All right, let's get some more calls in here because I'm just, I, I don't know what the hell inspired me on this. I don't know. This, huh? It's fun. What? I'm enjoying it. Fun for you because you're sitting back there on your ass not right. having to listen to all these important callers that we get. Although, yeah. a circuit court tra uh, trial date of July 26 has been set. This is more up Josh's alley since he's a jock sniffer. A circuit court date trial of July 26 has been set for Miami football recruit Willie Williams. Does any, do anybody care about Willie Williams? No. No on a felony charge of illegally setting off fire extinguishers, even as the attorney continued to seek a plea bargain that would lower the alleged offense to a misdemeanor. Come on, boys, I'll be boys. Let Willie play. What? Even I can't believe that, okay? Setting off the fire Remember that? Yeah. Why do we care about that? He was also charged with a misdemeanor for hugging a woman against her will on the same visit to uh, Gainesville. Oh, boy. And he's due back in Gainesville on June 15th for a case management conference on that alleged defense. For a case management conference? What is that? That's illegal now, by the way. Uh, what, what? Hugging women against their will? Yeah, just walking up to them, kind of like giving them a big hug and a kiss. Only uh, only Richard Simmons is allowed to do that. Oh. And also the guy that used to be on PBS. What was his name? That screamer? That, uh... Mr. Mr. Rogers. No, no, no. The guy that used to have that show where he'd go out in the audience and uh, give him a nice, delicious hug. What was that guy? That uh, that pseudo, like a screaming Dr. Phil, that kind of guy. Well, you know who I'm talking about. No. Yes, you do. We used to talk about him all the time. We did? Yeah, he wants to give you a nice, delicious hug. A delicious hug? A delicious Leo, Leo hug. Biscotti? Biscotti? Biscalia? Ah, you got it. Now, where did that come from? Poker Brian is in the studio here. Oh, Leo Biscaglia. That's we're, the one. Doctor. He was, wasn't he the love doctor or something like that they called him? The love know. doctor. I don't, I, don't, I don't know that guy. I know what he was. Blaming. Although, I, I'll be honest with you, if it would have been me, I'd have, I'd have given uh, hugs to much better looking people than that. But I guess I guess to get to one good one, you got to hug a few ugly people first, right? That's what I always say. 27 after 1 at 560 WQM. Hey, by now you all know about Balance for Life. Is that correct? Yes. And we know the big issue for most of you is should you do the five-day plan or the seven-day plan? People are having fistfights about this all over town. Now, the five-day plan doesn't include the weekends, but if you just want a few meals on Saturday and Sunday, the seven-day plan's got all the meals, but what if you have dinner plans for the weekend? It's all or nothing with that seven-day plan. Well, now, Balance for Life being the ingenious people that they are, they've created the six-day plan. On Friday night, you'll get one bag, one sack for the entire weekend, kind of like what Mo tries to use, so you can choose which meals you want to eat and when. The best part about this plan is since Balance for Life is the only meal delivery service that offers you choices, you can choose meals from either the Saturday or Sunday menu. I hope you're following this because it's pretty complicated. 
And add to this plan, if you tell the wonderful people at Balance for Life where you're going to eat out, they'll tell you which items on the menu are Balance for Life approved. What a complete service. And Balance for Life is working exclusively with a few local restaurants to label menu items Balance for Life approved. One of these days, they'll let us know which restaurants they are, and we'll tell you. So move over Atkins. The zone is the way to go to lose that fat, that disgusting, unhealthy, nasty-looking fat. Plus, keep an eye out on that website, balanceforlife.com, for new and exciting changes, too. Log on now and register for their newsletter, balanceforlife.com, or call them toll-free, 1-866-225-2543. That's 1-866-225-4543. Live and local, this is 560. The radio is all yours. QAM. Gonzalez, why the hell don't you go home and stop all of that whining from all the crazy Julio's? Go back to Cuba with your papa, where you can play in the mud. We'll pack your beans and enchiladas. Just go away, we're all fed up. Alien Gonzalez. Why don't you go home? Why don't you go home? Alien Go home and leave us all alone. I don't want to go back. I like shopping for free toys better. You've got your Pokemon t-shirt. And your Mickey Mouse ears. You've had your fun, now start packing. So they can get you out of here. It's at the point where we can't stand it. Everybody's had enough. Of all the Julio's and crackers. Yes. Who put the dust in Florida? Hey, 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 Leon Gonzalez. Why don't you go home? They're giving away free SNH green cards. Can I have one? Oli, 79 centesimi la libra. Pane bianco, 88 centesimi. Olio vegetale unico, bottiglia da 3 litri, 3,49. I think we need to spread it around a little bit. A little Spanish programming, a little programming in Italiano. A costa di meno. Yeah, see. Oh, what did she say? <laughs> wow. Telegiornale, ora in diretta, da lunedì a venerdì alle 14. Una presentazione di San Daniele Vastro. All right. Anyway, uh, yeah, we got to start pandering to the new Hispanics who are coming in from Latin America. How are we right. going to do that? They, do they like Celia Cruz? Probably not. No, no. They're probably on to him. She, they knew he was a guy. Uh, she, it was a guy. We're gonna have to learn about a whole different culture and what they're yeah. into. Yeah, because this, uh, soccer, these millions and jillions of new people are coming to Florida. They're not the old banana boat crowd that uh, you know your people. Oh yeah, that Miguel reminds me. They they call it football. They call it what? Football. Yeah, football with a U. F U T B O L. That's correct. Football. What does he know? 
Anyway, speaking of, uh, let's take some calls, okay? Because I'm, I'm just burnt out. I, th I think I overdid it today. I apologize profusely, not, for just reading. This is like those awful seven months when I just sat here reading and reading, and Miguel hated it like poison and wished that I would die. He just despised it, hated it. Yes. Well, too bad. I'm not programming you some banana boat mentality like you used to have until you finally wised up, until you finally realized what fashion is really all about, huh? See, he didn't think fascism was all that bad, thinking back to Batista. But what the hell does he know about Batista? Five six seven oh five sixty. He made the trains run on time. Who do you like better, fascista or communista? Or Batista? Masakita. Oh, line nine ought to be good watch. WQM, hello. <laughs> I told you, I knew it. WQM, hello. Who I am? Hey, Uncle Neil. Yes, sir. I'm sure I'll be beating this to death today with this intensive hockey crowd, but how about them cup finals? Yeah. Oh, we didn't, have one call. we didn't have one call on it. Are you serious? I missed most of the show. I mean, I was kind of being sarcastic. I thought somebody would have called. No, not one. Unreal. I would played the closing seconds of the game in a crowd reaction there. I played it twice, but no calls because we have no hockey fans in South Florida, in addition to which they're jealous of the Tampa Bay Lightweights who played so great and the Brad Richards and uh, Nikolai Hobby Bullen and the whole crowd. And that great play that uh, Vin Vinny LeCavalier made to set up the second goal. That was awesome. An awesome series. Uh, I, I don't I agree with you. It was not an awesome series. It got exciting when it got to the sixth game. The, the, some of the first four or five games, man, were just coma-inducing. It was some pretty bad crap. But uh, when it got to the sixth game, and that went to overtime, and then we set up that seventh game, I don't know how you cannot have an exciting Stanley Cup final when it goes to the seventh game. It's, it was pretty intense. I hear that. What was it like? Uh, only 16th uh, one in, in the Cup series? Is that right? That went to some, game seven? Something like that. 13, 13 yeah. or 16th. Um, now I, I'm not. I'm, I'm really kind of out of the loop. Is, are, are we not looking at no season for next year still as of right now? Don't look too good. Oh man. You got two goofballs. You got Bob Goodnow on the one side who's a jackass. You got Gary Bettman who's a little twerp who's in denial on the other side. And uh, I, I don't see any way that they're going to prevent a lockout. I just can't see it. And if they oh. if they do have the lockout, I think the NHL, the future of the whole league, is in real big trouble if they do that. Nice, nice. Yeah. What do you What do you think of uh, the coaching change with Florida now uh, with Mike Keenan being the GM? I think, think it, I think it's a disaster. I think it's ridiculous. They canned Keenan because they didn't want him in the first place. Now they're bringing him back because Jacques uh, Martin said he wanted him because they went. They were college buddies together. All this other bullcrap. They, they, Alan Cohen hasn't got any idea of how to run that franchise. And here Rick Dudley, they were saying all along, well, here's the guy that built up Tampa to what they are today. They're going to be a dynasty. They won a cup last night, and now Rick Dudley's gone. So what was all that BS about? Alan Cohen, he's just flailing around desperately because uh, the franchise is, is on the way out, I'm afraid. Oh, wow. God help us all. Thanks for catching me up. Good man. luck, Pally, and say hi to Geldy at the game. <laughs> I'm sorry to be the bearer of bad news like that, but nevertheless, let's see. Here's Hiding Under the Bed in Miami. He's still under there, but it came out in time to uh, fax this to us. I attended the Florida Democratic Convention last year. Alex Pinellas was the only person booed by the people when he got up to speak. They really stuck it to him. All I can say to that is, All right. good. Well deserved, Alex. You liar. You phony. Hey, I wonder how uh, he and what's his name are doing? Mickey Arison. He slipped to Mickey to the voters in Dade, too. People forget about that. Liar, liar. Your Guayabera's on fire. It says, I almost schmidt myself when I heard the VP shortlist for Kerry. Not since the Lieberman pick by Al have I heard such miserable nomination news. Michael Moore for VP. Could you please? Right. <laughs> There's a great idea. I'm all for that. Let's do it. Then it says, could you please play the Al Gore Macarena? Well, if you can find it. 
Yeah, we'll look for it. Al Gore. Al Gore, as you have never heard or seen him before. Four years ago, you gave me your nomination to be vice president. This is some crowd. I've been watching you doing that Macarena on television. And if I could have your silence, I would like to demonstrate for you the Al Gore version of the Macarena. I am not trying to be Macarena. 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 Would you like to see it again? Tengo mucha corrupción. Tengo mucha emoción. When your alarm goes off in the morning, Macarena. When one of your children reaches for cereal and fruit, Macarena. 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 How dare they drag the good name of the United States of America through the mud of Saddam Hussein's torture prison. Boy, that was a great segue. I like the way those two kind of like uh, blended together there. What a nice uh, mix and yeah, match. Do it again. Okay. 141 at 5... <laughs> Don't tempt me. At 560 WQM. Mad Dog coming up at 2. We got the Humper from uh, somewhere. He's at the Seminole Hard Rock Casino where they are just packing him in. The Humper will be there at 4. Hopefully uh, keep him away from the buffet. Marlins on deck at 6.30. The Marlins at the Indian 7.05. Eddie K. after the baseball game. And overnight, it's a total loss. If you're trying to lose, wait. If you're one of these zillions of fat people out there, if, they, if your pupig is hanging way over your belly, uh, you probably try one of those uh, low-carb diets, like the Atkins, or the, um, well, there are a whole bunch of them. I don't want to mention the South Beach diet because it really pisses me off. Anyway, the Lights of West Bocas help thousands of low-carb dieters achieve their weight loss goals because today shopping for the right low-carb product has become more and more difficult, difficile. How do you say it? Tough. Most of the so-called low-carb products on the grocery store shelves will not even help you lose weight because a lot of them are full of crap. Selecting foods with the right ingredients as well as the lowest carbs, that's what it's all about. That's the key. And Delight focuses on over a 1,000 of the right low-carb food items and products, and you can try any of them in the store before you buy them, too. That's a great thing. They have knowledgeable sales staff to guide you to success. So if you're on the Atkins, the Sugar Busters, the South Beach, the uh, what's-her-name, Suzanne Summers, Summer Size This, or any low-carb, sugar-free diet, head for Delights of West Boca, the number one low-carb store in America, and let them help you reach your important weight loss goals. Delights is open every day, seven days a week from 10 till 10, and you'll find Delights of West Boca on the northeast corner of Glades and 441, right next to Boston Market. that used to be Boston Chicken, or call them toll-free at 1-877-LOW-CARB. L-O-W-C-A-R-B, or on the web, you'll find them at lowcarb.com. That's Delights of West Boca at your official Atkins Retail Center. We're Sports Radio 560, QAM. David's a bitch. And another thing, you would listen to me, you would have been a big star by now. With that little thick, squeak voice, how do you expect to get anywhere, you little puny puke? Can we say puke?
I ought to smack you. I know my smell attracts you. But unlike that, you, you still got a job. I feel just like that you are my kid brother. And one yitty to another. That's why you are still not buying. I'm on a joke and put you in a coma. Yes. Can't wait till it's over. All right, that's enough. One forty-seven at five sixty WQM. I wonder if those two are getting along any better. You think? No, probably not. How is that really possible? Well, Geldy's just going to have to resign himself to the fact that, A, there's not going to be no hockey season next year, and, B, Joe Rose don't want him on his show under any uh, penalty of death, and uh, that's it. He's stuck. You know what I mean? What do you mean? He's uh, screwed. Let's see. How's that poll coming along? Who? I, I like the poll question today. I thought it was pretty good, if I say so myself. Who is the most overrated movie actor or actress of all time? John Wayne, 108. The Duke. They're trying to catch the Duke. Kevin Costner, 91. Keanu Reeves has got 90. Boy, they hate him like poison. And deservedly so, except for that one good movie he made, which I can't think of what it was. <coughs> James Dean, 72. J-Lo, 53. She's moving up there with the boys. Julia Roberts right on her ass with 46, and that's a lot of territory to cover. Marilyn Monroe, 43. See, we're not talking about... And I think they do get it. We're not talking about did they look good? I mean, were they beautiful? Would you like to do them? I mean, we're not talking about that. We're talking about were they really a great actor, actresses? And is there a lot of hype involved? Which is why people like James Dean and Marilyn Monroe are doing so well. Because quite frankly, if Marilyn Monroe would have been like very mediocre looking, which her face wasn't all that great in the first place, but if she had been really marginal looking, uh, forget about it, right? Right. Then she'd probably still be alive because the Kennedys wouldn't have had to get her killed. Uh, Will Smith, 34. Vin Diesel, 33. Elvis, 31. <coughs> Arnold's got 25. Mel Gibson, 16. I'm just doing a double digits. Brad Pitt, a dozen. Charlton Heston, 11. Now, what did we decide Brad Pitt was good in? The river, uh, not a river runs through. California, Is that the one? California with a K. Although California with a K was good. He wasn't bad in, uh, what you call it, a river runs through it, or whatever that was. Is that the name of that movie? There's uh, so many river movies. With Craig Sheffer? No, you know, the one where they were the fishermen. He was the fisherman. Oh. He was the... Always do the fly fishing. These guys liked seven in the other room. Seven. People all good. kept fish. What is it? Seven with Morgan Freeman. He was good in seven when he said, "What's in the box?" Come on, Josh, man. Between between Dunkin' Donuts and what's in the box, maybe it's Dunkin' Donuts in the box. Maybe it's not his wife after all. It's a good movie. Hey, it was a good movie. I'd agree with that. But and actually, his acting. You know when his acting started really going south in that movie is when they, the last scene there, the, the last. The last uh, 15, 20 minutes when they were in the uh, police car taking him out to wherever he was, uh, the drop-off thing was. Which, why did they do that in the first place, you know? I know you're not supposed to do that about movies because it just is what it is. It's entertainment. But why the hell did they get sucked into that, right? You knew some crap was going to happen. Right. Of course, it was too late by then anyway because the deal was already done. His wife's head was already... Oh, I shouldn't have said that. His wife's head was already on her shoulders. Well, that, that way, if anybody hasn't seen it yet and they know that her head's in the box, it's going to be really bad. Or a head of just lettuce. 
his behavior in a cop car and the whole thing is just so... His acting started really getting worse and worse. He started thinking to himself, hey, I'm Brad Pitt. I can't act. And then when they got, what's in the box? That was just, uh, you just want to scream. You want to howl. Out. Even Morgan Freeman was like pointing, are you kidding me? Wasn't he? Or was that Denzel Washington? I know. <laughs> or was that Van Diesel? Well, I get, I'm a little confused, okay? It was, it was Van uh, Halen. 5670560, or maybe he was in Halen. Pound 560 on the AT&T and Verizon oh, yeah. wireless line. WQAM, hello. What about uh, O.J. Simpson? O.J. Simpson is a bad actor. He's, uh, okay. No but did anybody ever, ever consider him, him a real actor? I don't no. think he qualifies, right? No. Huh? I mean, we hate him. and We uh, hate him like that. poison. We'd love to put him on there, but we're not going to do it because nobody considers him a real actor. We consider him a bad actor in every uh, aspect of that expression. And a bad man. And a bad man. Man, he ain't no man. He's a uh, bag. Whatever you want to put there in front of bag, he's a bag. Anything that sounds like dirt or rhymes with it or substitutes for it, as in slime bag, as in bag. All the bags that we can't say no more because we live in a fascist state where freedom of speech is just a, uh, a, a, a fantasy. We never really had it in the first place, but now, man, is that a distant fantasy or what? Yes. Wow. Freedom of speech, my ass. Oh, I mean, my... Rectum. Sorry. My fat ass. That's okay. 157, Mad Dog coming up next. I wish I had time to read the uh, story from uh, Doug Thompson again, the one from Capital uh, whatever it is. You could read fast. Huh? Read it fast. No, you know, the one I started out with because it's so damn uh, scary. President Bush's increasingly erratic behavior and wide mood swings has the halls of the West Wing buzzing lately as aides privately expressed growing concern over their leader's state of mind. In meetings with top aides and administration officials, the president goes from quoting the Bible in one breath to obscene tantrums against the media, Democrats, and others that he classifies as enemy of the state. Worried White House aides paint a portrait of a man on the edge, increasingly wary of those who disagree with him and paranoid of a public that no longer trusts his policies in Iraq or at home. It reminds me of the Nixon days, says a longtime GOP political cons consultant with contacts in the White House. Everybody's an enemy. Everybody's out to get him. That's the mood over there. In interviews with a number of White House staffers who were willing to talk off the record, a picture of an administration under siege has emerged, led by a man who declares his decisions to be God's will and then tells aides to F over anyone they consider to be an opponent of the administration. We're at war, there's no doubt about it. What I don't know anymore is just who the enemy might be, says one troubled White House aide. We seem to be spending more time trying to destroy John Kerry than Al-Qaeda, and our enemies list just keeps growing and growing. Aides say the president gets hung up on minor details, micromanaging to the extreme while ignoring the bigger picture. He'll spend hours personally reviewing and approving every attack ad against his Democratic opponent, then kiss off a meeting on economic issues. This is what's killing us in Iraq, one aide said. We lost focus. Then the president kind of hung up on a weapons of mass destruction and an unproven link to al-Qaeda. We could have found other justifiable reasons for the war, but the president insisted the focus stay on these two tenuous items. Aides who raise questions quickly find themselves shut out of access to the president or top advisors. Among top officials, President Bush's inner circle is shrinking. Secretary of State Colin Powell has fallen out of favor because of his growing doubts about the administration's war in Iraq. This is the part I just want to get to again. The president's abrupt dismissal of George Tenet Wednesday night is aides say an example of how he works. Tenet wanted to quit last year, but the president got his back up and wouldn't hear of it, says an aide. That would have been the opportune time to make a change, not in the middle of an election campaign. But when the director challenged the president during the meeting on Wednesday, the president cut him off by saying, That's it, George. I cannot abide disloyalty. I want your resignation, and I want it now. And there's a little bit more. It's on our website. How do you like that? I like I it. think the word we're looking for there is... Just like that. Bye, bye, bye. The Neil Rogers Show on 5670560.
Abu Garib.